Oh, dude, that's like the week after the mile. Holy shit balls. Okay. <laughs> Nate's going to have to... Actually, I need to text Nate. Are things suddenly not adding up? No, it's just fucking coming up quick. I see the little... I see the echo that you're talking about. No, it was when that one button was on. It was like echoey, echoey. The top one, the other one. Uh, no, now I'm gone. Okay. Now I'm back. Huh. Is it the red button? Oh, okay. It was those two. Uh, that sounds normal, just yeah. loud. Okay. <laughs> sounds like that could be on, and then my volume turned down. I don't is know. This yeah. one on? Yeah. It sounds really check, good. Check. And then just turn my... Tell yeah. me when. Uh, keep going. Keep going a little. That's probably a little much. Go back halfway in the middle. Okay. That's probably pretty good. All right. Now it sounds the same as it did with it off, so I don't really know what any of that does. <laughs> Yeah, that basically sends it to the control room. If, the, if we had a guy in a booth behind some glass, that's who it would be. It would, he would hear just that minus any extra effects and all that rad shit. So hello, everybody. Welcome to the Behind the Scenes. This is a creative writing episode. You've just been recording for 10 minutes? Yeah, well, a minute and a half. That's how we get filler space. Yeah. Uh, this is episode 124. Yeah. <laughs> I was like... I think you're right. Yeah. I was mentally searching for my notes. They were right behind me. Yeah, yeah episode 124. sounds right. Sounds Woo-hoo. correct. All right. I'm your, I'm your host, uh, Junkforth Turdmanovich, and across from me is the ever-present and ever-talking-about-motorbikes, Chris Wiggins. Last week, I talked about a lot of random stuff. I know. It was great. And this, uh, this episode is brought to you in part by patrons. If you'd like to find out how to become a patron, go to www.patreon.com forward slash creative writing. And uh, you'll find out about it on the page there. We'll talk a little bit about it at the end of the show. And let's get into this week's episode, bro. <laughs> Do a wheelie. All right, it will definitely do a wheelie. Chris has no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> so it's Jake the Snake. So, dude, welcome to episode 124. How you doing this week? Doing good. Yeah. Real good. In the studio tonight, we have lemon zingers and sparkling water. We're getting fancy. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, patrons. I, I like how you have wine and coffee, like one for up and one for down. <laughs> I know. Well, if I drink wine, I'm going to fall asleep, so I need the coffee to bring me back up. It's like, you know, a speedball sort of, but for uh, a yuppie. Um, so, yeah, this week, uh, I just want to get into a little bit of news and a little bit of uh, current events and what's going on. Um how was this weekend in knife making and bicycle riding? Did you do either? I did a little bit of bicycle riding. It was not as good as last week, but it still happened. It was still good. And then uh, the knife making was good. I dropped everything off at Heat Treat uh, Monday night, so I should have it back hopefully today. <laughs> I thought you were going to say I dropped every, like you dropped all shit. It's like I dulled every single edge. I just dropped it all. No, I dropped it at Heat Treat. And so my normal heat treating fee with tax is $98. For this new material, because it also needs a cryo and then three separate tempers. Holy shit. Um, it's 220 
for the same amount of material? Uh, well, the material doesn't really matter up to a point. Um, <clears throat> it's like roughly 50 pounds, I think, where it starts to actually cost more. And uh, I so I did 17 knife blanks, which is way less than 50 pounds. And uh, so, I mean, it's still, though, it's, I think it's 13 bucks a piece. God damn. So, you know what? Just factor that into the price. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And but then, it, it's some of the best uh, knife material that you can buy. Right. Right. Whoops. Look at the mic, idiot. I'm yeah. always telling everybody. Yeah. Um, I know. I, I never, once you start looking at people's stuff, like this weekend I went to uh, a show that had a little market. You never realize, like, this stuff seems expensive. And then you start looking at what they're really making on it. And you're like, ooh, they're not making like that much though. Like for all the shipping after shipping and like treating and all that shit. Yeah. It's why, it's why you're not a millionaire off of well, three had, or four knives. Yeah. I had $100 in material alone. And when you saw it show up in the mail, you were like, oh, fuck. That's not very much. <laughs> Right. So actually, you know what? I think I had more than a hundred dollars. So I actually ordered two separate times for this material and I'm pretty sure it was fifty one time and a hundred the second time. Shit. Or vice versa. Yeah. When I, I order stuff from Dan from Australia and I usually order, you know, a p a few pieces here and a few pieces there over a couple months, you know what I'm saying? And this time, since he said he was, you know, closing up shop, I was like, shit, I'm gonna like save up a bunch of money yeah. and like buy a bunch of shit. And then I ended up buying stuff and it only came out to be like it was like seventy bucks or something like that, which is a lot. And when you think of like his stuff's not very expensive, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. so I got a lot of stuff, but at the same time, um, that's mosquito repellent. Uh, uh, don't lick your hand now. <laughs> You'll get super high. Uh, uh, yeah, the shipping though was like, I don't know, the, like 50 or 60 bucks. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like um, just to, to get it here from Australia. I mean. When I ship to Canada, it's 25. Yeah. And when I ship to, I shipped one to France last week and it was 35. Holy shit. Yeah. Those do. On a $50 knife too. Yeah. Those, I mean, I guess they're used to paying you know, VAT and, and uh, customs or not customs, but like duties and all that stuff. I mean, yeah, pretty crazy. So if you want to check out a knife, um, I've been following your, uh, field initiatives feed on, on Instagram. It's pretty rad. It's field initiative knives, right? Yeah. It's getting better. Yeah. They're getting better. Uh, I feel like all the time they're getting better. Yeah. Um, I watched a few live videos of you like sharpening it. Yeah. Yeah. Slice away from the hand. I did. Uh, <laughs> I did a giveaway today, but the guy hasn't got back to me yet. He was like all super pumped. He actually, I stopped it at 58 and then two more people commented. So I was like, you know what, whatever. Yeah. Um, so, cause I wanted to wait till I was in front of a desktop so I could record the drawing. Um, so I had 60 and 59 won it. <laughs> I was like, oh man, talk about a last minute deal. How funny. Hey, you texted me a little while ago that you're on your way. I should. I should go <laughs> up a little too. I, uh, I just now got it. Oh, Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I was like totally sitting on the couch and I was like, it's eight o'clock. I was like, man, this is such a relaxing Tuesday. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Shit. That's why I yeah. feel stress free. I'm yeah. supposed to be over at some knucklehead's house. I'm supposed to be doing something right now. Yeah. Uh, speaking of doing something, this weekend, I got my ass out and I did a couple um, pretty fun things, I guess. Uh, first off, I want to remind everybody Wiggins did a giveaway. 
recently. We're doing a giveaway. It's called Solstice Slam. He picked 60 people. You did a random draw. Mine was super easy to enter, though. Dude. No story needed. Mine is a little harder. You need a story, but listen to this. I'm going to tell you the perfect um, story. I'm going to set a timer on my phone for four minutes. If you think it's hard, I mean, it's kind of hard to bullshit for four minutes. We've only been on here for eight minutes, and there's two of us. But it's not that hard. I'm going to do a totally mundane, mundane story. And I'm going to try and fill four minutes right now and uh, see how uh, see if I could do it. Wigs, and you be the judge. Would I win Solstice Slam here? So I'm going to start the timer now. So there it was, Friday night. <laughs> oh, let me get out of the voice. But anyway, Friday night, kind of stressing. I already had to work, load in for the Californian. I'd already paid my entry fee, and the wife and the kids get home a little late. I'm sitting around cooking dinner, thinking, man, I just want to get my ass over there to Santa Anita Park. Next thing I know, it's almost dark, and load-in is between 4 p.m. and dark. And I'm kind of freaked out to ask my wife because she's in her comfy clothes. You know how old She's got to go pick you up, huh? Yeah. Yeah, because, yeah. I was, that's how I was trying to figure out how am I going to get my bicycle or my skateboard behind me on Spamla. You know how people are when they get in their comfy clothes. That's pretty much a deal sealer right there. So I get all ready. And I'd been messing with the carbs, too. I cleaned. I took apart the carb and cleaned it because I was like, I was unsatisfied with it. And Spamela wasn't starting very well. Well, it helps to change your spark plug every 10 years, I guess. Because once I put a new plug in there, uh, she fired right up and ran like a top. So... I'm heading over there, and I just checked all the valves and everything, you know what I mean? And one of the problems was is that she's been leaking oil. Now, I just bought a pretty close to OE set of seals, uh, like a top-end kit, because I can't figure it out, man. Left and right, up and down, didn't make sense. She's dripping oil, and she's never leaked oil before. But when I took the cam uh, chain cover and the valve tappet covers off, the o-rings the little rubber o-rings were like in further than the groove than the cover was so basically it was a metal to metal mating surface there was no seal happening so i didn't know if it was because of the quality of the seal that i had ordered from japan or if it was the fact that this thing had nicks and i mean i've taken the timing chain out and adjusted it a few times and there's little nicks around it and it's not a perfect casting either you know these are cast aluminum heads so what I did is I got a file out, and I finally, finally filed uh, just the barely the tip off some of these nicks. And then I got the cover, and I got a piece of 1,000-grit sandpaper, and I indexed it just enough. And then I cleaned everything up, put the new seal in, and slapped it on. And Bob's your uncle. It held just like a dream. No oils dripping. So there it is. 20 minutes to dark. Just enough time to get to the California. My old lady says she'll come and get me. I'm hauling ass over there. And the next thing I know, my foot feels weird on the shifter. It's not shifting right. And I look down. I'm oiling down, man. There's oil everywhere. I know Wiggins has a baby. And if you know, if you're familiar with wine or oil or baby barf, you know just a little bit goes a long way. My pant leg is soaked. The whole left side of Spamela from the headlight to the rear wheel is just full of oil. And I'm afraid I'm not going to make it. 
So I look down and there's like the raddest exhaust sound coming from my motor and it's because the hand I only hand tighten. I didn't torque the damn covers down oh. when I put the seals back on because oh, no. I because I was afraid of tightening them too tight and crushing yeah. this brand new seal. So oil went all over me. I slapped it back and hand tightened it and made it just to the show and it was stumbling and I was like, oh god, she's gonna seize, but at least she'll be at the show. And then I roll in through the infield and as soon as I get up the infield ramp under the tunnel I cut off the motor and I go back the next day and guess what she'd only lost about two teaspoons or tablespoons full of oil but you know oil soaked thin it just covered the whole side of the bike yeah, and yeah. me and dripped everywhere it looked like a three so, it looked so like you're three at cups. the Californian show and your oh, whole bike's dude. covered in oil yeah, so that's it. That's and that was four minutes right there, everybody. So yeah, basically I get there and I see, and Brady's like setting up and I'm like, you need some help? Like I'm don't think I'm going anywhere anytime soon. Spamla's probably seized, and uh, all the vendors are there, pretty much loaded in already. I was like the last guy there besides the people setting up. And yeah, the thing is like dripping oil all over to Santa Anita. Nice. So he didn't have a load in Saturday morning. He did. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was because there wasn't that many show bikes. It was the vendor vans and stuff uh, were okay, there. Yeah, yeah. None of the bikes were there. So everybody that brought bikes showed up between six and ten, I believe it was, on Saturday. And then the show opened at one. So all these, oh, dude, it was crazy. So yeah, Spamla was dripping oil all over the very nice uh, Santa Anita Park um, red brick. Like <laughs> I was so embarrassed, I felt so bad. And then I, was, I saw a Lucky Wheels van there, so I parked her next to it. And then I was like, I'm gonna roll it up onto the grass because if it's gonna drip oil, <laughs> it'll, it'll drip it down into the grass. So yeah, that happened. And then I figured if, if she sees or something, I could just say, Hey Ty, can we throw this in the back of your van? I'll come down to Lucky Wheels Sunday <laughs> and we'll figure it out. <laughs> But basically, I was surprised that it was only uh, a couple t- tablespoons full of oil. Um, yeah, the, sh- the show was pretty rad, actually. Uh, I entered Spamela in the show. And then once I got there and checked it out, I realized what a stupid, stupid idea that was. Because even though there were some, like, roach bikes there, it was they were roachy because they're, like, 19... 19- 40s like original you know what i'm saying like there was no like spamala roachy mics there yeah but there's probably not many that have been ridden as crazy uh, you know you know what brady was nice enough instead of entering it in the show and embarrassing me he put it over as the photo bike so that when you walked in and you want to take a picture there was a picture of a dude on a horse and spamala like right underneath him so it was like the first bike when you walk up to, <laughs> so i didn't really i didn't get in the show and i didn't win a prize and it was good because there was all sorts of rad uh, vintage bikes, race bikes. Uh, remember we were talking about little displacement bull tacos when uh, a couple weeks ago? I think it was when Brady was here. They had one there. It was like a 125 TSS bull taco road racer, full fairing. Like it was so rad. And um, they had a Rokon there. And it was the original one of the original trail breakers from 68. And it had that crazy disc brake front you know what I'm talking about yeah and it was so crazy because the back wheel and the wheels are huge I forgot how huge they were they're like huge tractor tires and they're like six. well they're only like 15 or 16 inch wheels aren't they but the t- then the tire add another like yeah, you know eight yeah tire. eight inch tire yeah they it had to have like 10 inches of ground clearance at least or like a foot and um yeah, they were huge. I forgot how big they were. They were they're they're probably at least sixteen inches, and um, they had two like giant weird like um, 
industrial screw, you know, like screw plugs so you could fill them with <laughs> like gas, just like we were saying in the in the episode. But the disc brake is rad because the the spring, that weird spring thing that lets you drive the front wheel, came up through the frame into the head tube. And it was literally just a spring with some shafts, and the shafts turned the spring, and the spring was connected to the other shaft up front, and it drove the front wheel. And the disc brake, remember how it said it was the very first production bike with disc brakes? The shaft that drives the front wheel that had the like the drive sprocket on it, on the other side of that shaft was the disc brake. So you stop the disc brake, and it stops all the wheels from rolling. Like you basically only need one disc, one st- disc because yeah, you're stop all connected, it. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was like, holy crap, and. Um, there was crazy stuff there, like some radical Hodaka. I don't know if they were the Dirt Squirt or the Combat Wombat because they didn't. They just had like Hodaka 175, but there was a lot of vintage flat trackers that were all the way from 125 to like 250. I mean, we had 125, 175, 250, uh, like 280, 350, like all the the crazy. You could just see the evolution of flat tracking up to like 750 and 1200, like where it is now, you know what I'm saying? Like uh, just the craziest rad old vintage flat trackers from like the late 60s and early 70s and um, a lot of road racers from that era and a lot of nice bikes that I'm so glad Brady did not put Spamla next to. A lot of customs there. <laughs> yeah, I'm so glad she didn't turn it up. But because even the crummy bikes were rad, and um, yeah, British Customs was there with a bunch of stuff. Built where well was there with their remember that you know that 420 sporty um bike that they took down to the Baja 1000? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That thing was there, it's still dirty. I love when people leave the you know they don't wash yeah. it, still had you Mexican dust on it, yeah. yeah. And that thing is pretty tight looking. Um, and then what was there that you would like? Oh, the RC 51 and a crazy Suzuki like. I guess it might have been a Jixer, but I think it was a RG750 or some shit like that that was next to it. Two-stroke? I I don't know. I think it was I think it was just like an early early version. It was the two headlight 750 Jixer. I don't know if it was a two-stroke or not. Hmm. But um it was right next to the RC51. They had some rad old things when people were like experimenting with cafe racer and like road racer trims. So it was that was pretty rad. A lot of old CBs. And, of course, there was a lot of CB750s that were, like, uh, chopped out and, like, slammed and lowered. And, like, lots of engineering and caught engineering was there. Shinya and Ayu had bikes there that kind of looked sim- similar because I think they both work out of the same workshop. So you had, like, some crazy lowrider custom shit. Then you had some crazy, like, weird, like, space age metal art shit, you know, and everything in between from, like, most of it, most of the stuff there was, like, um, restored, you know what I'm saying? Like, classic off road and classic uh, road race shit. So it was pretty cool. But um, I made the mistake of taking the family. You know how it is taking a family to a motorcycle thing already, but then it was like 96, 97 degrees when we were there. And the best part was they had these, this hot dog, uh, like a food truck that was serving, um, not hot dogs, um, donuts with ice cream on them. So that was good. My kids got the churro donut with like ice cream and sprinkles and stuff. And that was like the best part of the day. So I'm walking around like, just looking at stuff and they're just like roasting, turning into crispy bacon. And I was like, oh, why did I do this? Note to self, never ever bring them to a show again. So that was the worst part. I probably would have stayed there for hours if they had to yeah. come with me. But 
And then I walked Spamela out into the parking lot, looked at the oil, and it was, you know, like I said, it was only down, like, I brought a whole quart with me just in case, and it was only down, it wasn't even down to, like, the low level And an eight millimeter, so you could tighten up the side cover? Oh, dude, yes. And I, I torqued the hell out of those things. I snapped the bolts off, and <laughs> no, I, I torqued them up, and it was like, never again. And then I've been riding her for the past couple of days, so yeah, that was... Uh, pretty good she she's been holding up don't finger tighten your stuff <laughs> no properly torque yeah but yeah brady uh 100 different from when he was here you know he looked uh you know laid back in his overalls and his um and yeah. his hat and he went out to pee remember it took him like 20 minutes and i was like i know he's in overalls but come on there was a big dump out in the yard the next day too so i think he took a dump <laughs> out there as well so uh, he didn't just pee out in the yard, but um, at the Californian, he was dressed up like a 1920s, like you know, dandy. I like the crazy, yeah, yeah, uh, Mary Poppins style hat that they had back. You know, he wasn't dancing with the cane, but just shy of it. And uh, I think Hoof Hearted uh, won the Kentucky Derby, and that was like a big. Everybody was making a big deal about that. And is that really what they named the horse? <laughs> And it won. Oh. Have you ever seen that clip on the internet from the eighties? There Probably was a horse have. named. I showed my kids because I was laughing so hard. There was a horse named Hoof Hearted, right? Hoof Hearted, and the announcer was like, "Hoof Hearted on the outside, Hoof Hearted around the rail, Hoof Hearted in the winner's circle," because the horse won. <laughs> and when you say Hoof Hearted really fast, it sounds like, you know, Hoof Hearted. <laughs> It was definitely more motorcycle than my weekend. I know, but you were. But sometimes it's nice to not motorcycle. Exactly, and I actually haven't. Um, and my motorcycle's apart. Oh, how come it's apart? Because I crashed it. Oh, that's right. No and shit. I, I haven't had a race, and I'm not just fixing it back to the way it was. I got a new tank. Um, I got a tank at work that I'm trying to get painted that I took and I cut two inches out of the height. So what that does on my hooligan bike, it gives me one, a little bit more steering angle with the, with the forks. Not that I need it. You know, I'm not going full lock, like in or out of the corner, but if I about crash. Yeah. Let you turn it over the top where it would bang. Yeah. Yeah. So what else that does is if I do crash, it keeps the forks from hitting the tank and ruining my fucking paint job like it did before. And denting the tank up. So it keeps it looking fresher. Yeah. And then the third thing that it does, um, I don't need to carry two gallons of fuel. I was going to say it reduces your gas. Uh, so, yeah, it's actually kind of nice. But the um, the tunnel is like right below the fuel spout now. So I'm just, I'm not even going to see it coming up. I'm just going to be like, oops, it's full. Oh, <laughs> right. But uh, I it's bought. Like running over the side. <laughs> yeah, I bought an extra tank. And uh, so I'm going to try, I'm probably going to run the extra tank for Sacramento. And then um, I'll hopefully get the the short one done before it goes to Tennessee. Yeah, I know you got a couple races coming up here. You're going to Sacramento here in uh, like two weeks, right? Yeah, so Sacramento May 18th, 19th, and 20th, and then um, a a weekend off, and then Eastern Tennessee March 31st. I have a thing with Harley, and then June 1st is practice. June 2nd's racing, and um, I think I'm going to have to drive again because no one else from my team's going. So it'll just be me in a sprinter van. So, hey, if you email the show, email uh, creative writing podcast at gmail.com or ask wigs at gmail.com and uh, offer up your 
companionship or services. If you're a hitchhiker and you need, you're maybe you're going yeah. from point A to point B. <laughs> if you need a bike from between here and Nashville picked up and delivered, there I have room. Um, if everyone's you're selling, selling Craigslist right yeah, now, if you're <laughs> selling an RC51 or need to buy a Ducati, um, you know, if you have a bed to sleep in, it could be yours. I might share. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you if you're a weirdo and you want to sleep in a van instead of your bed, you want to swap. <laughs> yeah. Right. Night. Yeah. Whatever. Whatever works. So yeah, that's it's actually cool. kind of funny because I think when I do get there, I'm staying in kind of a listener's place, but it's an old. High school, middle school friend. Nice. But yeah, so I got a buddy in, in Marysville. That's where the track is. And I'm like, hey, it's only me coming. And he's like, fuck yeah. That's also where the Honda plant, right? That they No, that's Marysville, Ohio. Oh, you're talking this about- This is Marysville, Tennessee. It's, oh, it's just too many southeast of Knoxville. Right, okay. I know I have some- Also too many Knoxvilles. There's also yeah. Knoxville, Iowa. I know. I have a friend in Marysville, Arkansas, and Marysville, Oklahoma, which are both on the way to Marysville, Tennessee. So it's like, dude, yeah. every, every every like hundred miles, somebody named the same person stopped and was like, "I'm gonna stay here for a couple months." <laughs> yeah, call Marysville. Um, so yeah, yeah, you know, I've been following your tank um, build on your Instagram feed, and it's pretty rad watching it come along step by step by step. Yeah, have you started painting it yet? No, yeah, no. Yeah, last time I saw it, it was trying wrong. to finalize the design. So I want to uh, hit up a, a famous um, designer who did some bikes in Europe, and then he's super famous for doing Ken Block's one of Ken Block's cars. And I hit him up, and he was like, "Oh, that was an original." And I didn't even say anything about Ken Block's car. I was just like, "Hey, could I pay you to delivery for me?" And then um, is it Maxwell Paternoster? Uh, I don't know his real name. Oh. But um, you're all his name's Banksy. And I don't then, know his real name. He goes by Banksy. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I was like, no, I was like, I'll pay you for an original one, but he never responded. And I'm like, whatever then. And then I thought about it, and I'm like, I have a friend, Nate Bickham. So uh, I hit yeah. up Nate, and I'm working with Nate. And then I also I have a graphics guy at work that's done a lot of design stuff for me too. So he's, I told him what I was doing. And I couldn't tell if he, I mean, he was like, oh, that's a rad idea. And then I was like, shit, I hope he's not bummed that I called Nate. <laughs> but just when I was thinking about it, like the first person I thought of was Nate. So Nate's got some cool stuff. I'm not 100% sure the direction I want to go. But um, what yeah. I really want to do is the exact same thing that Ken Block's car has. <laughs> but I don't because I don't want to rip it off. Like I want to do some original. So Nate came up with some cool stuff. Um his, I, his Mustang or the Ford? Uh, one of his uh, rally cars, one of the Focus or Festiva, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, the Focus Stiva. Yeah. So, so yeah, Nate's on that. Um, Nate's got some great stuff too. Yeah, were, yeah, for sure. There was a lot of people at uh, Art Ride actually that ended up um, emailing the show, and so I know they've seen his shit. Yeah, and he's got like. All sorts of crazy stuff now. He's on his own too. If you guys want to buy some art, hit him up on uh, Instagram. I think he was actually interviewing last week for jobs, but still oh, hit him shit. up anyway. <laughs> I mean, he's still like, he's an artist and he wants to make art. It was actually, uh, I was super stoked because one, he still hasn't given me a price yet, which means he's $1 million. <laughs> no, he's going to be like, uh, just, I don't know. I like, I want to support him is one reason I hit yeah, him up yeah, too. Yeah. But he's like, He's like, this is what I love doing. He's like, because I love bikes. He's like, I like you. He's like, this is awesome. He's like, this is why I do what I do. And I was like, that was cool, you know? And it like, so I think he's pumped to see it out there. And But yeah, so we're kind of figuring out some final details. And like, 
part of me, like when he first came up with something, I was like, I like it. And this is what makes it hard too. Like I really like everything he threw at me already. Um, if I was getting my tank painted again in six months, I would go with it because it's a little further than I want to go. And one thing that I want to stick with, and I'm not sure how, and I might totally get rid of it, but my bike was kind of known for those AMF stripes on it, right? Yeah, yeah. And I was just, I was super stoked to go back to that. Um, like when I started stripping my original tank before I just wised up and bought a fresh one, I was just going to do that. I was just going to do the same paint job again, but I was going to do it Harley on the side this time instead of hashtags. And um, that was it. That's what I was going to do. And then I was like, why? Like, that's cool. And it's like, it's kind of iconic. So what we're looking at now is like similar colors. Um, I do like the red, white, and blue. And my rear fender is still polished. Um, so we've got a few different things in the works. Um, one of them might be just a rad background like replace the solid black with a bitchin background and then still lay the amf stripes over the top of it so that is one option like a, we're looking at a wizard at. holding up a fireball with a wolf howling or not not that type of not like a <laughs> not like van yeah not okay. like um uh custom chopper <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. not like actual images but right. just like a pattern or something yeah like yeah. a cool pattern yeah um but like both of us were on page. I was like, I want people's eyeballs to fucking orgasm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Nate was all about it. So I think uh, I think we'll come up with something super yeah. sick. It's rad when you see a bike too that's like, I mean, you can do all sorts of crazy stuff to a bike, but when you see a bike that's painted well, it does like, you see something, because sometimes that's what makes the bike is the paint job. You well, know? and yeah, I think like the AMF stripes were very recognizable mm -hmm. and people really dug that and that was cool. And it was funny because people are like, I have that tank. Or I used to have that tank, and I'm like, it says fucking hashtag on it. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you'd never had this. Like, it's it's not an old AMF bike. Yeah, that, like, they think it's an AMF like, tank. Yes, it is ripped off tank. of an AMF paint job. Like, that was the point. Like, I loved that paint job. Um, but so I kind of want to keep something kind of iconic. But I also, like, um, you know, looking at, like, some different patterns, I was like, dude, Nate, like, we can make this thing fucking pop and make it, like make it more iconic almost, you know? Yeah. So make um, Harley copy my colors. <laughs> well, it's actually kind of cool. Cause like the AMF stuff that I had, if you look at the new sportsters for this year, yeah, they all have, and yeah. the lowrider for 18, like they all have, like they're bringing back some of those AMF stripe ideas. Yeah, yeah. They're not doing the same colors. And, um, I get why, but for me, I don't like that. They're all like metallic -y. and yeah. like, I'm not going to put any metal flake in my paint. Like I, Ultimately, it needs to be durable too. So yeah. the more shit I add, the thicker it gets. Looks really good on a show bike, yeah. but it looks like shit on a race bike when you crash it and it chips and shit like that. So yeah. I know those. Those also like when you go to Born Free and you see those rad paints that are like I don't know how they do it, but they stick like a brush and they swirl. They like polish and oh, brush yeah. the metal underneath. You and see it in like gold coat. flake. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you, they literally imagine, take like a piece of Scotch Brite and twist it yeah, in each spot. And imagine yeah. like having to redo that every fucking year or two. That would yeah, be a yeah. pain in the ass. Um, one thing I looked at, uh, one of the patterns that I looked at was like these little crazy shapes that just repeated. And uh, one of my ideas, but I don't know how the stripes would lay over it, 
because it was a lot of black and white. So it'd really lighten the tank up. And I think from a foot away, you would lose it. But I was like, what if we did like a shit ton of little Speed Merchant logos? Yeah, oh, and I was yeah. like, my fucking painter is going to kill me. Yeah. But I think the more I look at it, I don't think that's such a good idea. Like in my head, it would look super cool and then lay the stripes on it. But if you did red, white, and blue stripes like I had, you're going to lose the white ones on all the white spots. Yeah. Which might be okay. Um, yeah, maybe I, I think like too cool much illusion. white is going to kind of even it out and it's going to look gray from a distance. So one of them that Nate had was um, black and white and I liked it, but it was more white, I think, than black. So I just texted him a little bit ago and I was like, let's try and swap that, make it more black than white, thin the white out a little bit because from a distance I want it to look black still. I mean, not necessarily like look plain black, but... I want the main color of the tank yeah. to still be black. And, and then it, And it's cool when you get up close to something you realize there's detail in yeah. it. It's not yeah. At the same time I don't want little tiny eighth inch pattern like Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what Nate had, I think we can do a good size and lay it out. It was cool too. Like he even took one of my Instagram photos and like photoshopped one of the patterns on the tank. And I was like, that looks fucking rad how you just did that. Yeah. But um I still want to do the Harley logo on the side. And then down the top of it, I need to do Glendale Harley, Speed Merchant, Icon, and probably Lindell. Like a, uh, a, yeah. a sponsor yeah, yeah, yeah. roll sheet. Just so it's like kind of like the main ones there. Yeah. Um, you know who does some pretty rad um, pattern stuff? There's a couple artists that do on all sorts of motorsport stuff. One is um, Ornamental Conifer. Does a lot of radical... Um, pattern work, especially on motorcycles. And another one is Death Spray Customs. Death Spray uh, did a, started out on bikes, I think, and moved to so cars. So that was the the Ken Block artist I was talking oh, about. okay, yeah. So yeah, so where he started, well, I don't know if it's where he started. Where I first saw him, he did Gary from Sideburns Road Tax. Uh-huh. So he did that. I think he's done some other bikes in DTRA. It, uh-huh. He's big into cycling and then flat track, and he did someone, maybe it was his own, but he did leathers that were like super uh-huh. rad, like black with this like red and blue like offset lightning bolts. Yeah. And they look super 3D. He's um, into a lot of the stuff is like very geometric too, like super geometric. That's actually, I was trying not to give away too much of what I was doing, but yeah. <laughs> so that's actually uh, what I'm working with with Nate is and like words, trying some a- geometric shapes AMF as a base. Pretty, pretty angular. No, just kidding. <laughs> um, I think I'm just going to lay the, the Harley logo and I'm not going to put AMF where it used to say AMF, I think it's going to say USA. Yeah. So I'll oh, still do like rad. the Harley leg- right. logo over it. We'll replace AMF with USA and then I got to do Harley of Glendale, yeah. Speed Merchant, Icon, and Lindell breaks, yeah, um, and then I, we got to get Nate a rad logo in there. I thought of Trusty because at the Californian there was some uh, one twenty five or two fifty Harleys that had oh the old Aramakis, yeah, that had, had similar stuff. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't exactly uh, the AMF like stripe, but it one had that the a dirt bike had that I really liked. That's was, what it was. It was it the was dirt bike. Uh, a black tank. Yep. And you had everyone in listener land will have to imagine my uh, my motions. Actually, uh, Corey in listener land, it's what your dad has on his bike, um, which is probably where I first saw it. So it's like blue. It's like a three or four inch stripe, a skinny stripe, and it starts at the bottom, like right side, and it's like blue, 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 Harley Davidson, and then red, 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 up. It runs like from left to right in yeah, these yeah. like little stripes, and there's like it's a eighth inch stripe that's four inches long with like a two inch gap. Yeah, and then you go to the next one. It's red, 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 and then you see the Harley logo, and then it's white, 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 and it's like super. Yeah, and it's I think so fucking. This cool. one had that, and then it's it probably like that's, a couple chrome, like where it had Aramaki or no, I mean where it had. Yeah, Harley, yeah they're like kind of chrome, chrome badges. Yeah, 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 and then yeah, but that's yeah. It was but it was awesome. like actually. So the original idea with my XG that's sitting in my garage was um, 
because Trusty had the red, white, and blue stripes that she had, then my XG was going to get that set up. It was still going to be the red, white, and blue, but it, and it was still going to be an AMF base, but on a different bike, so it was going to be a little bit different. So that was like what I was really wanting to do on that one. But, um, you know, time and money and shit happening, and Trusty's getting a new paint job, so we'll see. Mm-hmm. But that was one thing I told Nate, too. He's like, he even kind of asked, he's like, what are you going to do about your gear? And I'm like, dude, if there's a bitch in geometric pattern, I want to put some of it on my gear. Like, you know, so. Yeah, you need to get a pair of, one, like, leathers, like uh Like the Desperate leathers? I don't yeah. even know. I don't even know if I want to do full leather. But even just, like, the jersey I have, the Harley jersey I have, it's a white jersey with black sleeves. So, like, if, like, the one pattern we're looking at is, like, this, like, white and black pattern as a base and then he put some like lightning bolts on it that are like red and blue so i could do like like maybe that base on my white jersey so just basically do the black lines and the geometric shape yeah so i don't know like i want it to pop i want it to fuck with people's eyeballs i want it to be recognizable um so yeah and i want it to be different like i actually i feel okay saying this because i actually told jj to his face like JJ Flaherty's bike, I think, is a good example. And first of all, his bike is fucking rad. Like the white frame, the polished wheels, like the paint job. Um, it's it's fucking amazing. It looks, it, his bike has blue on it, right? A little bit of blue somewhere. Uh, it's mostly like a dark red, burgundy-ish, and it might have a. I think. Oh, I think oh yeah, that's yeah, it. yeah, yeah, yeah. But before, right. so it looks super bitching, right? But it looks super flat tracky. And you know what? He's working with Fuel Cafe and stuff like that. And maybe, obviously, he wanted it to look more flat tracky. But when he first built the bike, it was like, I think the black frame. Maybe he had a gold frame. I would have went a gold frame when he redid it. But he did a black tank and black tail with gold flames on it. It was fucking rad. And what I liked about it, and I told him straight up, I'm like, I liked it better personally because hooligan is not like i don't like all the race bike race bikes and hooligan that's yeah. why trusty keeps some of the stuff she keeps because it's fucking different and it's it's that flair and like jj has that too dude like that mustache that no one can touch yeah i'm so jealous sh- of that i actually think he shaved it he might but he'll bring it back he's you he's because he was been um was he road racing lately? Or no, he's been flat tracking this. Sh- no, he BMXs a lot. Yeah, I saw a picture of he him was doing a something. Pro like- BMXer for a while. Yeah, I know. I think I forget if he was driving a car. I don't know what he was doing, but I saw a picture of him, and it looked like he was doing an event, and he didn't have his stash. And I was like, "Oh, brother!" <laughs> there goes a. I know. It's there goes- such like an iconic, and I don't know. I mean, I get it that everyone's gonna change and blah blah blah, but. Yeah, so that was kind of like my take on it. Like the new bike, or it's the same bike, but the bike is like super rad, but it's super flat track looking. And uh, I I like how some of the bikes are different and less race looking. So that was like the inspiration behind Trusty's tank is like, because like I really want to have Smokey paint it, but I'm not paying to get it painted. Right. <laughs> so I might not get to choose who paints it. So, um, Whatever. And like Smokey's like I really like what he does. And I really like how he did both the speed merchant bikes that he did. But um Yeah, I I pretty much like everything I've seen him do. Like he's Yeah. And I think he's been doing a long time. Dude, I think tell. if if Nate and Smokey work together on a geometric pattern, like Smokey would make that shit fucking it would fuck your eyeballs up because it would look three dimensional. 
Yeah. Like the way he likes his little airbrush black under stuff to make the stripes look like they pop. Yeah. Dude, if he did that on some weird geometric shapes. Yeah. Because I was like, when you look up geometric shapes, like some of them are like, and Desprey actually did a Desmo Sedici similar. It's like a bunch of triangles on a Desmo Sedici and it, it hides all the lines of the bike. But with the red frame behind it, it pops. Yeah. But some of them I was looking at, like it looks like a topographical map almost. Right. I know. It seems like a lot of those guys spend time like looking at those optical illusion books and then they just go, oh, dude, I'm going to screw with somebody. And like they use colors that, you know, if you use, there's a few different colors that are complementary and they, like if you use like a certain color blue with red, it messes with your eyes and it looks 3D. Maybe that's why 3D glasses used to be blue and red. Yeah, that was actually when Desperate did Kim Block's car. It was, I think it was legit 3D. Yeah, and there's a lot of stuff you can do with clear coats and stuff where you... Even you that, put, just like the way the weird colors go together. Yeah, there you go. You can do like a lot of weird stuff under a clear coat, like you're saying, where you suspend it in a layer or you put a base coat down, you put like three layers of clear coat, then you do some more graphics and then put three more layers of clear coat and it gives it depth. You know, it's like eight layers thick of paint, but at the same time it looks like you're yeah, looking I think that literally was 3D. But he Holy used crap. that red, yeah, he used that red and oh, that blue. Yeah, this car was at, um, did you take this at the Peterson? I didn't take it anywhere. Oh, yeah, this car was at the Peterson. I took a, all right, I got pictures. And I don't know if Desperate actually painted that or if he just designs design, it. Design, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, dude. Looks bitching. In the way, I mean, he does bicycles, motorcycles, but it all looks so fucking good. Yeah. I know. I'm, I'm excited to follow your feed and I'm excited to uh, see what comes out of it. This is going to be awesome. I can't wait till you get this finalized because we've been talking, but you never really know until you see something. Yeah. Like, I could, I can't even really imagine like what you could possibly do, especially because you got Nate on the. Uh, I know I'm pretty stoked to see <laughs> kind of what Nate comes up with, and um, yeah, let's let's move on. We got well, we got some news to talk about too, but uh, I did some stuff on Sunday too, and I'm really bummed that you missed out. The Super Sunday happened, dude. So. <laughs> it was actually it's kind of I could have went there and been like the odd man out, but like Spamble is pretty well just fits in with the little minis. There was a few people on 250s that were like, "Hey, giving me thumbs up." There was a couple of Ducati Super Sports and uh, you know, the odd like Z1 and the R1 here and there. There's a lot of 300s though. You know how cuz cuz you know they do a lot of um the Grom swaps, Grom, right? Yeah. So there was a lot of uh CB300 like just uh sport bikes there. Um, and then a bunch of those rebels, you know how they had those 300 and 500 rebels? Dude, there was a ton of those pimped out. Like they're actually pretty tight looking. They have a 500 rebel? Yeah. Is the motor in the same angle as the 300 rebel? Uh, it's pretty close. Yeah. The 300 is mm. the, is the uh, note to self and steady garage, 500 Grom. <laughs> oh, right. I see what you're saying. I need well, a, I need a Grom now. The 300 is a single and the 500 is a twin. Uh, so that's why is it a swap, parallel twin? Yeah, that's why they swapped the 300 yeah, yeah, with yeah. the Groms. Yeah, but I bet they could hang the parallel twin in there too. Yeah, it looks... And it would rev harder. Bitching. Oh, that would be so badass. Yeah. No, they, the 300 looks better than the stock one. Yeah. Oh, and listen, they sounded pretty tough and they looked pretty tight. I mean, because they had them bobbed out. And I talked to... Um, 
Keita Shiguro, is that his name? I have his business card somewhere. I talked to the dude that actually designed them in Japan, and when they were designing them, they, the um, Rebels, the new ones, they were designing them to unbolt, basically. And when you look at them, like you can, they are like modular. Like You can pretty much do anything to them, so they're pretty tight. They're like little Harleys looking to me. But um, So yeah, there was some big bikes there, but... So he actually races DTRA. So that's why, Clarity? like... No, uh, Despre. Oh, okay. So he yeah, raced his flat track so, over there. So tight. Uh, but that's what got me thinking about what you were saying, because there was a hell of a lot of ruckuses that were custom-painted bazonkers, Yeah, dude. dude. Yeah. You, we saw some of them in the shop, those wheels that they put on them, and, like, they're straight up like the new lowrider, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And there was one that was so rad. It, it had, like... They were mag wheels, but they were cut like spokes, so they kind of look like spokes. They were this was really fine cut, uh, like discs, and uh, it had like reservoir dogs painted all over on, like really nice, not just like like super cool airbrushing of like different scenes from the movie. And I was like, dude, a reservoir dogs ruckus, dude. Yeah. And uh, some of them hauled ass. There was fifties. There was a dude like on a. There was the fat guy on the little bike, which was always kind of funny and fun. But uh, yeah, they said six hundred. They said five hundred ninety-two bikes. But here's my thing: it looked insane. It looked like a lot more, and I don't know if they counted at the end. But or- what's funny is that a hooligan race with ten people, we have more CCs, <laughs> right? <laughs> than than like six hundred. Right? I swear, I I put on the Instagram and falsely that there was at least a thousand bikes, and that's that was my. I saw so many videos of them pulling like they took over wherever they were at. There were so many. That whole Costco parking lot was full, pretty much. And when we were riding, okay, and listen to this. We they went all the way to freaking Woodland Hills. No freeways. All the way from here. We we rode around from the hat down on Rosemead, all the way around Pasadena and Altadena over to Woodland Hills. And I, I dropped off at Sunland when they made their first gas stop. So they really didn't start leaking oil on Sunday. Dude, I know. That's the whole thing too. After the California night, I made sure Spamela was buttoned up. I was like, this oil on my tire will go off after a few squiggles and wiggles <laughs> around corners. I'm good to go. So, But it, I did a two-hour ride with them, and that took us, well, it was about an hour and a half, and that took us up to friggin' Sunland. And uh, and then they went over there from there to Woodland Hills. So it was pretty damn far. And we're talking like, you know, as you do in a big group like that, stoplights and stop signs lose their contextual meaning. So yeah. there was a lot of smiles and waves and honks. But then uh, up in like Verdugo, like up on Foothill, there was a lot of old, very pissed off senior citizens who had waited probably 20 minutes at a stoplight and we got the one finger salute and I'm like, dude, you're 70 old man, but at least you're hardcore yeah. 70. And then there were some people that didn't pull out of their driveway for a good half hour. I'm sure that it, cause it probably took about 25 minutes for all the bikes to go by. And, um, so there was some not so happy people, but there was zero incidents, zero police, uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, we even passed a farmer's market in Altadena that had a cop there, and he was just had his hands on his hips just looking like, huh, because we were just going by the stop yeah. sign where he was. And it's cool, you know, people were understanding and traffic was supportive, and the faster you get the bikes by, the sooner you can go. So there wasn't too much crazy stuff, but I was like, wow, you know, I haven't, I haven't rolled red lights in a long time. So I was like, strength in numbers, dude. There's like 600, what they said was 600. And I'm telling you, dude, I... In that parking lot, I swear there was a thousand, but maybe they counted. 
because they didn't count me when I rolled in. You know what I'm saying? And there was people rolling in after me. Um, I don't know about 500 people rolling in after me, but uh, I don't know if they counted at the end or at the very beginning when they said they were going to leave. Because I I showed up like a late. I showed up about. It was crazy. Just oh, seeing dude. the photos. Check out our it's our Instagram. Check out the creative writing Instagram. Oh. And there's tons of it. And I was like, man, wig. Because remember we were talking about this when we were down there at Steady. And, yeah. Uh, I was like, I didn't even know when it was. I happened to see it like the day before. And I was like, oh, if Spamlet isn't seized, I'm going to go down there. <laughs> so, yeah, next next year, dude, I'm going to get you on an Elite 80. <laughs> I bet if I hit up, who's the main guy at Steady? I bet they've got Kevin, an extra bike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. dude. A Grom If I can ride a Grom 300, oh, I would still go. And there was a couple, There at one point, um, I got behind a bunch of people that was kind of like the Grom um, stunt crew. So there was like dudes doing, you know, like wheelies and like swag shit. But uh, they were they didn't get too crazy. And like I said, no, nothing happened. Nobody crashed or nobody went down. I didn't see anybody break down. But you had people on. F- there was two Sea-Doo's there that they just cut the bottoms out and slapped them on top of something. I don't even know what they were on. They could have been Groms, but dude, they they were like my favorite thing. The dudes had like I've seen that a little <laughs> bit, but I I didn't know they had some there. That's awesome. Yeah, it looked just like this. It was it looked just yeah, like that. and the wheels just barely poke out the bottom. Yeah, but the but the handlebars came up, and the dude had like one of those. Uh, life vests and like a, <laughs> like he had shorts and uh you know those helmets that they race like they look like motocross helmets basically yeah. like he had that it totally looked like he just rolled up off the beach on that thing and there was two of them there and um yeah so that was funny um there was older like white-haired people you know like on these things not that i'm talking about i'm 117 years old but there was people in their 60s some youngsters um so you had everybody from like this little kid that couldn't have been more than 12 he was riding dirty you know he was on a dirt dirt bike that wasn't plated or anything and he was probably like 10 or 12 and then we had people that were like 70 80 um cruising on their like uh nice. what do they call it like the bergman you know like the oh, yeah, uh, yeah, like yeah. the commuter scooter 650 but you know so there were some big scoots little scoots all sorts of shit it was pretty funny and good. Uh, i was just thinking man wigs on a on a elite we gotta do it so the uh <laughs> i'm i'm pretty sure if timing if timing works out I'm racing 50s in Eastern Tennessee too. Yeah. Actually, technically, that's in North Carolina. I think. Nice. The race. It'll be at the Deals Gap Resort. Um, but my buddy is like, he's got an extra bike. What do they do? They do like a road course. It's like a supermoto course with Radical. cones. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it was Dude, funny because be I watched him one time and I was like, "Try this." And he's like, "You come do it." <laughs> and I'm like, "Actually," and we'd already talked about it. Like, I want to go out and do it. So I'm super pumped. Yeah, that would actually be pretty fun. Um, 50s are fun. My friend used to have a, he used to be a arena cross dude. And when he quit that, he's like he, a tiny ass supermoto too. Oh, like, yeah. And they're still like strong enough though to like, oh, yeah. He built a, um, a lot of it's momentum because they obviously don't accept. Because yeah. I think, so if I'm not mistaken, he's got, there's two classes there's a stock class and a mod class. And you're still limited in the mod class. Are and they I, only 50s too? Like it can't go above 50 or? I don't know. Um, but you can do a clutch, you can do fancier stuff, you can do disc brakes. Um, but I don't know. He was asking me about some of the rules for disc, about how we could get a disc on it. You have to run the stock forks or something. I don't know. Hmm. I was like, I bet we could do it. But it's also hard with him there and me here. So, right. cause that was like, run a bicycle brake. Yeah. But he's scared to get hot. And I'm like, run a CRF 450 brake, but then you'd have to figure out a rotor. 
Was he not have a break on it at all? Well, they're just they're shitty drums. Yeah, yeah. And, but there are kits that have disc, but I think you change other stuff that you're not allowed to change. But, um, or maybe he bought mags and how the disc is attached to it. Super shitty. It's not just got five or six holes mm-hmm. in it. But anyway, so he's got, I think he just picked up another one. So he's got like three or four of these things. I think he's got one fast one and a couple stockers. I did a little Honda 50 thing. Yeah, yeah, just little XR CRF 50s. Hmm. And it's cool. Like, I don't know. It's just like it's one part in the country where they race. And they'd like, they do it at some Harley dealers in the parking lot. Like, these dudes are hardcore too, dude. Like, full leathers, you know, like, and they do a little series. So I'm kind of stoked. Like, if it's after the event, and we have time, but if mine's supposed to be done at five, I can load up and we can drive over there. He said practices because it's at eight because the resort's busy during the day, so they don't want to cone off the parking lot. So it's at like eight at night. Practice I think's at eight. Racing's at nine, starting. So I'm like, I want to do this. So it would be super fun, and honestly, it'd be super fun to go race with Corey. So that'll be cool. I'm hoping my supermoto experience will help out, but. I bet the dudes on 50s that ride 50s all the time, it's going to be hard to keep up. But Yeah, we'll have to check out the 50s and see what what, uh, what we can find. Yeah, no, that sounds fun. And they are a lot of fun if you have the chance. Like I've seen, I was just trying to gonna look up some kid that commented on or followed us the other day, and I didn't know I was a kid. I was like, oh, here's some dude. And I look, because he, he looked super intense. And then I see it with the helmet off. It's a 10-year-old kid racing 50s. Uh, out at like uh, cart tracks and stuff. So is thank it you. Uh, like Travis Horn or someone local? Something I don't know what his name was, but it's something like that. Something I'm gonna look it up. Uh, I'll look it up toward the end of the show or maybe next next week. Those dudes, like I know Travis is local. He's a little kid. Yeah, is he like ten? Does he ride yeah, sport bikes? I think he's a like he's just moto? a touch older than Jasper. Uh huh. Um, but I seen I've seen him out when we did motorcycle track days at Willow. Like he doesn't. I, they did actually last time we were or in December when we were out at uh, Brady's track day at Big Willow. He and another kid had like they were over cruising on the go kart track and like I don't know hanging out or doing whatever. And uh, so they did a lap around Big Willow on their fifties. Dude, that that would be both awesome and a little well, intense. Dude, they're doing third. I mean, I'm sure their bikes aren't stock, so they're doing forty mile an hour, just totally pinned. <laughs> You know, and that was like that was pretty well what it was. Which bike was faster? One at that track, but you yeah. know, for the cart tracks, everything happens so fast. Like I remember Supermoto on a cart track was bitching, but I'm scared with with what Corey does on the fifties. Like I asked him too. I go, why don't you guys do a Grom class? Because Groms are obviously huge right now, and he's like, the bikes are too big; they wouldn't do very well. And I'm like, yeah, but you might add a class, and if people show up, people show up. But um, so like it's gonna be a tight fucking track. Like a cart track would be bitching because I could fucking move around on the bike. But dude, it's gonna be a tight fucking track. But hey, wasn't I'm gonna send wasn't it. Brady saying that the next the track days that he's gonna have in it's um, like in August, right? Yeah, he's gonna have a Grom, right? Isn't he gonna have like a Grom? Uh... Maybe he wants to have like a mini class. I need to hit up Kevin again. And Travis see if, Horn. Is that the I kid can, you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah, that's the kid. Travis Horn Racing, number 25. Yeah. That's his uh, That's his Instagram, Travis Horn Racing 25. I need, to, uh, I need to see if Steady will let me borrow a 300 for one of the classic track days just to do like oh a session. God. Like Streets of Willow, that thing would probably rip. Yeah. Yeah, and you know what? Uh, it's not on 17, so... <laughs> 
I think yeah. it'll be fine. Yeah. They, they run good tires. Yeah. No, it was it was rad watching some of the people. Or go out there. to Adams with them. Like, yeah. Because I, I like Adams. I did really well at Adams. Yeah. What was that noise? Did you hear I that? don't know. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I don't see police lights in here. I know. So. Mystery noise. Uh, yeah. So I'm going to, yeah, after, after this, that ride and talking to Liza a few weeks ago, I was like, I might, my next bike might even be smaller than Spamala or it might be an 1800. Who knows? I might, I can go either way, but, uh, I'd like to see you on a Goldwing. That'd be good. Oh my God. It, it would, <coughs> it would definitely be a, a, a mule tracker, <laughs> not a Goldwing. They're both the same price. So it doesn't really matter to me. Um, we can get you a tracker a lot cheaper. That's just as good. Yeah, <laughs> a, a geo tracker. That's what I, that's what I was trying to think of. Well, what shitty car was called the tracker? Speaking of gold wings. Speaking of gold wings and shitty cars, we we started to talk about Ford last week and it squirrel hole oh, yeah. into uh, this crazy thing, um, partially because they you know they're doing away with their cars and only going to trucks. But I did want to say that this week they made news. And it shouldn't be too crazy because they made news a couple years ago for the same thing. They just filed a patent, and I've seen it on a couple different sites now. But I, I'm gonna, I called it from um, Asphalt and Rubber, who got it from like Car and Driver. Ford is actually uh, submitted a patent, and you can read the whole thing on the Car and Driver, I believe it was, or the track road and track. Um, and they're places like Paris and London. And we've already talked about it when John was on the show too. India and China are going all um, electric as far as like big cities. And, and London and France have already banned vehicles past a certain age and they're banning gas engines altogether. So here's the predicament. How do you get to work? And most, and they're doing it not just because of pollution. They're also doing it because of congestion. And I know Mexico yeah. Mexico City has one of the worst traffic problems, and it has nothing to do with pollution and everything to do with population density. So, what do you do when your city that you work in, especially if you, uh, you know, most people in these countries m- move to like a, a urban center because the work is more um, closer. You know, they might commute from the rural or from the country out into the city, and it's a little bit more. Um, What's where like focused, you know, it's a little more s- gathered around the the main town. So when that town bans vehicles because it's too crowded and it's famously crowded, what do you do? Ride a motorcycle. You ride a motorcycle, but your motorcycle is illegal. Well, uh. not illegal. It's banned because they're banning ice engines altogether and they're banning uh, cars and all this shit. Right. Well, uh, Ford's idea is to. Um, get a electric vehicle with an electric motorcycle in the front, like the um, the Batmobile. <laughs> I just I always remember this because of how awesome they were. Remember in Baywatch the boats they had that had jet skis that would pull out of the back of them. I did not know that, but that makes so much sense. Yeah, super bitchin. Yeah, you know Honda Honda did this in the seventies with that little square. Motodromo? Is that what it was called? Oh, that little moped that yeah, you could fold little, up? Yeah, it was yeah. a foldable moped that was designed. It didn't really fold up. Like, the handlebars went down yeah. into it. And the the wheels, wheels kind of picked up. up yeah. And then it had, like, a suitcase handle. Yep. They and did it, have, like, the monkey was foldable. Some other stuff was foldable. Yeah. But that was, like, 
it was like a little suitcase. Yeah. And the wheels popped I, out and handlebars flicked up and you were off. I read somewhere that it, I, maybe it was this article, that it was designed specifically to fit into a, like a notch in the car that it came with. And oh, I that, didn't know there was a car that. Yeah, that there was a car into. that it fit into one of the early. I don't know if they actually sold that scooter in the States, though. I've seen I them think here. It was Japan only. Yeah. I, I saw, I saw one, one at the, the swap meet once. Yeah, I saw one at the Californian and I was like, oh, yeah. there's one of those little things. And because they only made them for like three years. The in only. Japan. Thing with that, which kudos to Ford to be smart enough to do the patent on it, but so you're gonna drive your car most of the way and then park it and then get on your scooter. Mm-hmm. Why don't you just start on your fucking scooter? Yeah, well, that's one thing. It's electric, and it would be powered off of the same uh, battery and rechargeable stuff that powers the car, and it would technically just be for getting you into the city to park and then back out because i'm thinking what yeah that was what i was thinking oh, so, so like if you lived in, in pasadena and worked in la you could like you park at a parking ride car. somewhere yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Go, uh, stop in what like what would you have to like stop in elysian park and just ride your bike the rest of the way in or stop yeah, in you could just get an electric motorcycle yeah and ride the whole way i know that's that's one funny part i mean i guess this is for super long distance or something like that. I'm not 100% sure. But the funny thing is, is this isn't the first time they patented this. They This one looks super cheesy and super crappy. Uh, they also did it in like 2016. There was an article. And do you know, do you remember the Rhinos? They were like a one-wheeled electric bike that they actually made. I think they actually ended up producing them. Super slow, like a Segway, basically. They used the same technology as a Segway. But it was like a one-wheeled bike that you sat on. And I'm going to show you it real quick. Dead space. You would take it out of the, your your trunk and pop the wheel off of your car, them, yeah, and then slap it on. And this basic, so, uh, the design is. Don't exactly worry about the like twenty minutes of jacking your car up, <laughs> taking a wheel <laughs> off, and then do you rotate what wheel you put on every day so that way you have even tire wear? Well, this um right here, if you can see this like. Uh, it's got like a stanchion that comes down. I'm guessing it's like a um, a touring car because you know they don't have jacks on touring cars. They just plug yeah, the yeah. air hose in and the things shoot down. So yeah, you this, could do electric. Yeah, this this stand right here must just pop down. Doesn't one of the McLarens or Lambos have that on it? Probably. And it's yeah. like electric. And probably the McLaren. Burp. Yeah. So this thing probably just like hold you know comes down and holds it. But that's what I was thinking too. Unless it's like a knockoff or a quick release hub or something, you're like unscrewing that let's say you forget to put it back on that looks like right. too much <laughs> like just put a fucking wheel on your little rhino yeah so yeah this the design i was like holy crap that looks just like a rhino and uh here's another one that folds like you just hold on to this i guess this is a different option well i mean if you're looking at those who is it that makes that one wheel and now that you unflip two things on each side and it's like a oh it's yeah kind of like it's like a single wheel. You stand on it like yeah. with your feet, even like those little hoverboards that weren't hoverboards. But it's a wheel in the middle, and you can kind of lean and yeah. balance. And I saw a kid on one of those in San Marino. For I only saw one, one I've on AliExpress the other day. Yeah. Oh shit! How funny. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'd seen them on the internet and been like, yeah. oh, like, geez, like lazy, lazy much because they only go like eight miles an hour. But yeah, but it, same people that bought Segways and true that. Yeah. I know, and uh, apparently there's, like, line bikes all over the city here, and apparently, like, um, there's some electric scooters now that people are using, and they're getting, like, uh, San Francisco and Austin and places like that are starting to complain because they're just, like, littering the city, and uh, people hate 
all the millennials riding their scooters around with no helmets in the crosswalk. <laughs> well, yeah, and you really you're not supposed to be on a crosswalk with a scooter. Yeah. So I know, dude. Um, something else I wanted to talk about was a Cleveland Moto has been talking right up our alley about old bikes. They're starting some biker quiz, but it's not very bikery. They're talking about a lot of this stuff that we talked about in the motor challenges, which kind of had me laughing. And uh, I was like, hey, we know that. Me and Chris know that because we brought that up in the, yeah. like, one of us brought up one, one of us brought up with the rotary engines, all that shit they were talking about. Um, so they were doing that. I, the thing that I did, a good takeaway from the episode before that was, A, they got paid in a beaver pelt from a dude in Canada, and I think that is technically Canada's official currency. Um, but on that episode... Uh, a beaver pelt? Yeah, they, they are having a motorcycle raffle, by the way. You can win a Moto Guzzi. I think it's $20 a ticket, and the dude brought him a beaver pelt because Phil said, I'll, you know, whatever, you're going to give me a beaver and. He said beaver pelt on the show, so the guy brought him a legit beaver pelt. <laughs> the guy was from Canada, and he's like, technically, I think that is a Canadian like twenty dollar bill. An acceptable way of <laughs> yeah. bartering. Um, on that, uh, yeah, he got a ticket for his beaver pelt. So if you have beaver pelts lying around, you can win a Moto Guzzi. I don't. Um, they talked about the digital flash units and with the blade fuses and the Arduinos in them, and it made me think of like Moto gadgets. It made me think of everything with. Um, Arduinos and how crazy Arduinos are now and how the technology that we have in our cell phone used to cost like $80,000, right? Yeah, right? But it reminded me of uh, after Twisted Throttles, I broke my stupid turn signal falling down in the dirt. And afterwards, I got some new ones for wherever the hell I was riding next. And they were LED. And I really didn't think about it until I plugged them in and they didn't work. And I was like, oh, son of a bitch. You need a resistor in line? Yeah. The thing is, is the voltage is different. So it's reading a different voltage. And they talk about it on that episode. And I was like, yeah. oh, smart. Like, I totally didn't think about that. You need a special flasher that has like less, re- that reads the less you resistance. You just roll like to- me and not even fucking use I know. turn signals. No mirrors, no turn signals. I'm surprised you have a brake light sometimes on Wiggins. But uh- uh, <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it might not. Yeah. So, you know, hey. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, we're rolling into an hour of the show. Um, are you getting sleepy yet? Oh, yeah, because it's, it's late. But we can talk about old bikes All right. or long-term bikes, long-term so, relationships with bikes. Yes, long-term relationships with bikes. This this episode it was going to be last, at, last week's episode, and it's the 10-year bike episode, and I kind of got – Onto this because I was talking to Liza a couple weeks ago about a DRZ. She asked me about a part, and I looked it up, and I was like, "You're not gonna believe this, but that part was is- it the DRZ 350? No, it was a 400. But, oh, okay, but I was like, that part has been on like, you know, the DRZ 400s, the SE, which is the Aegis Met Electric Start, and the SM. They're pretty much the same except for the wheels. The SM just got yeah. supermoto wheels, and that's about it. It's got a big brake and probably stiffer suspension. Yeah, like it barely, like as far as the... Which is awesome and very smart for Suzuki. Yeah. Like, Dude, famous for bold new graphics, by the way, Suzuki. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> they are, They're doing yeah. this 10-year bike thing right. And it got, I mean, me, got me thinking about... Um, 10-year bikes. The DRZ, awesome bike, by the way. Um, very popular and very... Um, what do, what's the word I want to use for this? It's not like uh, it's not like it holds its value well, but it's one of those bikes it's that... It's a cult bike, kind of. Yeah, there you go. Like it's an like, SV650. Yeah, there, yeah, that's another one. Another Suzuki that was kind you know, of around I think forever. With a lot of like 10-year bikes, 
the reason they are 10 years or more is there's not a need to change them. Mm-hmm. Like the market is, doesn't need it. Um, and the bike doesn't require it. And most people that ride it are going to know anyway. Yeah. Uh, I was thinking about the XT 250, which is a 10 year bike, the DRZ, they literally, all they get every year is a different tank color and sticker packages. Yeah, they're and, still running steel tanks on those things. Uh, yeah, and you know what? The DRs, um, I was just uh, doing something with those the other day, and I realized that the I would enter the part number, and this, and it would like, okay, 2001... 2008, like if they if they want the gray, they just skip it every few years. You know what I'm saying? It's the same exact part number as the very first one that oh, they right. used of that year. They'll just skip two or three years and then start doing it again, skip a few years. And the whites, like the blacks, the, and they, they'll they mix, mix and match. It's like, oh, this year the bike's white. This year it's black. Next year it's black and white. And guess what? It's the white and the black <laughs> bike panels just switch around. So it's, it's funny. And they'll do that on and on and on. And that's how the bike, like you're saying, they don't need to change it. Some of them are, some, I was, re, I watched this video a couple of years ago about the KLR 650 and how it's grandfathered in. And I don't know about the legitimacy of those laws because they'll tell you way before a um, emissions. They'll tell you about five years before an emissions thing takes place when it's going to be due. I remember in 2006 reading about the 2010 emissions stuff that's coming. Yeah. And 2010 is long gone. It's almost a decade now. But at the same time, with the Goldwing, when the new model came out, when the 1800 came out in 2000 or 2001, whatever the first year was, I think 2000, it already passed 2010 California emissions. Hmm. So, and it probably still passed 2015. They just didn't know what those were yet. Mm -hmm. So, but they did know, hey, by 2010, it has to pass this. Mm -hmm. And in 2000, the Goldwing already passed it. Right. So. Uh, Yeah. And that's one of those bikes that, like a lot of the Beamers, they haven't, as far as the engine, they haven't changed a whole lot because they're already so clean. You know, they did on the new, on the new, new, the new, new, new. 1800 when they changed oh, yeah. the front they end. They changed a lot of stuff. They did on change there. a lot because, you know, they made it lighter, made they, it. Yeah, they basically redesigned it. But the whole again, thing. I, I think in their defense, yeah, they changed a lot because they knew they're not going to change it for another 12 years. Yeah, yeah. Or yeah. fucking 18 years. Yeah, you know. They had a small redesign in 2010 and moved all this stuff back to Japan. Yeah. And then that's it. They didn't change. Like, yeah, there wasn't tail a tr- lights changed. There wasn't a 2011 model. I was looking and I was like, oh, that's weird. That's And that's right. That's when they redesigned it. So for 2012 to 18 or 17, it was pretty much unchanged. Actually, from 2000 to 17, it was pretty much unchanged. Like they changed a little bit of the body work, like the tail lights changed, the headlight changed, but the frame, the motor, the wheels, yeah. all that stayed. I know. I was looking at some of the stuff um, today and a lot of the motor components are the same from 2000 to 2017. Yeah. Or 2001 to 17. Yeah, they didn't change it at all. Yeah. And then, um, like, I was looking at other stuff just to see if I could see. And, of course, they if they change the color or something, it does, it's not the same. So it didn't all pull up. But I was yeah. amazed at what stayed the same for 18 freaking years. And um, the TW200 is the same way. And that's why you have a lot of bikes, like you're saying. They don't need to change. And I have a feeling that they're grandfathered in somehow because in in Europe anything over 125 now has to have ABS, and mm. so in the states you we still have carbureted shit, and we have yeah the stuff, TW125 is probably carbureted. Yeah, the the 
TW200, I think, is carbureted. The XT250 for sure is still carbureted. The What's DRZ, the little, like, Van Van or something? That's the TW200. Okay. Uh, the um, the, X, uh, the DRZ is still carbureted. Yeah. And uh, the KLR650 is still carbureted. And uh, believe it or not, the F800GS is a 10-year bike now, too. Although this year, they just announced on BMW's website uh, the f 850 and the F750 are taken over. Just like Honda announced that the NC700 is getting taken over by the NC750. We're finally getting all these weird, like, 50cc step-up Euro bikes that they've had yeah. for a while. So it, that's that. Is the NC750 pretty well the same as the 700? Like, that weird scooter frame with the no tank where the, like yeah, the tank kind of looks funny yeah okay. it does look like a big adventure scooter it looks, that adventure scooter that I, they, it doesn't look that bad with the bodywork on it but if you see it without it it looks like a scooter real bad <laughs> yeah uh the, oh yeah and the concourse 14 is another one the kawasaki concourse again like because and the thing with the concourse 14 is it's based off a more performance oriented bike but then it's meant to be a touring bike mm-hmm. so you're basically getting overkill anyway so why does it need to change? Yeah. Which it is, they did do a shaft drive. Yeah. But um, the motor is pretty well the same. Yeah. You the, know, what it, I noticed on that one too is that I noticed some colors and then <laughs> a five or six year gap and then those same colors. I'm looking yeah. at the panels and I'm going, wait the a minute. stickers this is, are different. Yeah, yeah. The panels were exactly the same and it was like a seven year range. So I started looking at it going, oh But my if God. you notice too, it's always in the bikes that aren't really performance based bikes. Yeah. They're touring bikes. They're, when you look at the DR, they're Enduros that are not like, it's, I mean, the DRZ is not a performance bike. The, yeah. what's Suzuki's it, RMZ? Like that's yeah. a performance bike. Now, unfortunately, I'll make a street legal one, but yeah, it's like the YZ, the Yamaha YZ yeah. or whatever. Yeah, it's like the Sportsters too. Like essentially, the 2018 Sportster has not changed since 2004. Yeah, I and mean they got a fuel injection and some of that stuff, but in I mean, 2007 or yeah. 2006, right? <laughs> it was six, I think. Yeah, 2006 was the year same motor. Year. By the way, 03 to now is the same. Yeah, and there's honestly, unless you know because you like race one of them. Um, there's not a lot of changes since 1988. <laughs> yeah. I mean, a few, yeah, there's a few things have changed about how they mount stuff, but that's about it. If you look at the part numbers in Harley, uh, at least on some of them, the last two numbers are the, su- the suffix is the year that it was introduced. There's the brake lights are 51. Like, yeah, dude, my Dyna taillights. And what's cool about that, it's like the same taillight on the Dyna Sportster, like anything yeah. with that fender shape, it's all the same taillight. Yeah, there's a lot of 69, there's a lot of 06 because a lot of stuff changed in 06 when they went to um, fuel injection. But the thing is, is it like there's a lot of 69s and there's a lot of 80, like a lot of stuff happened in the late 60s and the 80s where they must have changed design or something. And you look at those part numbers and you're like, holy shit, like yeah. 89. Not that it's the exact same plastic, of course, but that's that same design. Well, but, and again, like people buy Harleys because they want that retro styling. <laughs> oh, dude! So listen to this. Speaking of retro styling, Royal Enfields from 1959 until 2014 actually used the same machinery to build it. Like, yeah, that, that's a real. That's fucking- a totally different <laughs> wormhole of why they use the same goddamn 
like metallurgy, metal um, like technology because it was just so they they didn't change the um, the tooling or anything. It was like old, worn out tooling, and you're getting like my friend had a uh, like a 2003 or something, and you couldn't like it looked like it was cast out of yeah. old skillets from like the 50s. I was like, oh my god, like this the technology is just wearing. So in 2014, they went to fuel injection, finally got carb legal. You could finally buy them in California, and now they're like. You know the pride. They're like the Harley of India. So like they've totally gone through a retooling over the last um, almost yeah. decade now. But shit, I mean, yeah, that's that's using the same tools, the same old factory shit from the fifties. Look like, at the the Ninja two fifty. That yeah. thing didn't change from the eighties until what two thousand ten? Yeah, you two thousand twelve when they did the Ninja three hundred. Yeah, and then now that small bike class is really oh, it's booming. Taken off, yeah. Yeah, another one is the um, so the it's the LS650. Technically, it was called the Savage from 1986 to 2004, and then 2005 to present, they call it the S40. But um, it's a the LS650 um, Suzuki the Suzuki Savage, right? Dude, that thing has not changed except for color since just about 1986. I and I'm. I'm pretty sure that thing is still fuel uh, carbureted too, and so Rika makes kits for those things. And oh they yeah, probably. I think they fit the 04 and newer, so they m- might have had like a frame change or something. But I mean, you're talking when I look in the catalog for that, it's like I was like, what is that VIN? Co-? I didn't even recognize. That's like the one of VIN those code. where like some of the tooling broke that they were making them with. <laughs> And they couldn't find the blueprints, they so they're like, "Well, we should just do a change." <laughs> yeah, it's been fifteen years. There you go. <laughs> and it's just funny to open up catalogs for stuff and see, uh, like a like I for that one, I saw this VIN code, and I was like, "What is that VIN code?" And I look up the year, and it's eighty six. And I'm going, "Holy crap! This catalog goes back to eighty six. So when you're buying part like climbers or Hanes and stuff like that, and you're looking at these, you know, sometimes they'll be three or four year ranges uh, because they only made them for three or four years or imported them for three or four years. But stuff like that, when you see it, and it's like 1979 to 89, and you're like, what? And it's, they only stopped it there because it would have been too full of, you know, uh, the manual would have been too fat, but it's basically the same thing. They, they just cut it off because they got sick of printing. They didn't want to print a 500-page manual. It would have cost them more to print it than it would to sell it. So they're like, dude, let's yeah. just break it out here. Fucking bike. It hasn't changed for 25 years. But yeah, if you know a bike that's gone on for longer, let's see, well, 10 years is pretty easy because we've mentioned a couple that are at least 12 or 13-year bikes, um, and the Savage is at least... Uh, I'm not counting all the way from 86, but it had a quite a long run until it cut and then started again. I think the five-speed Evo Sportster was 91 to 03. Yeah, that's a long, I mean, that's a hell of a long And run. then, because they, they only did the four-speed a couple years, and the, some more stuff changed besides just gears and the transmission. And then they did the 04 and up. Like, so right now it's a 14-year bike that's had no real changes yeah. to the frame or motor at all. I know. The Sportsters are one of those things that like fuel injection and some of them got like inverted forks and that's like the big but That's all like bolt on. <laughs> and it's one of the, like it fits the needs of that bike. Yeah. And it doesn't need to change until it has to meet emissions and carb, but that's it. Like, Yeah, the TU250 from 
um, Suzuki basically looks like a 1970s little cafe racer, little 250 cafe racer. It doesn't still pass. It still doesn't pass carb, and it's because it doesn't really need to. Nobody out here is buying that small of a bike, and if yeah. they do, it's because it's a few years old and you can import it on the gray market. But the thing is, is that like you mentioned earlier, they don't need to change if they're grand. If they really are grandfathered in, like I wanted to check into that because I'm not a hundred percent sure of all the. Like if you if you uh, don't change a design or something, I'm not sure about if you maybe you don't need to. You're grandfathered in basically under whatever when the bike started to be manufactured. As long as you don't break that, maybe you are grandfathered in until you uh, quit making it or have a break in Man, production. Your idea of a cafe racer and mine are way different. Well, a cafe racer. If you think about like old BSAs and stuff, little 350s that you yeah. unbolted and then put fairings and shit on, like that little 250 is just a standard bike. You yeah, know? it's just a little standard 250. Yeah. And, it's um, the same as your SR pretty well. Well, it? mine had buckhorns and a fucking king queen seat with the touring box on the back when they were stock. Wow. They look more like a goddamn miniature Dyna from the 70s. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, they. They don't. You don't need fuel injection per se. You don't need ABS. You don't need. I, I I argued for this in one of the very early early episodes that I think they should, as regulations and shit get like more and more toward like every bike has to have ABS over one twenty five. Every you know all these European regulations that are eventually going to trickle over here. I think there still needs to be a carbureted bike so you learn how air fuel mix works. You uh, bike that without ABS, so you learn what it's like to stop. Cause somebody Have w- you seen the the video clip circling the internet of the bike with ABS? They put like the training wheel things on it, and he stops with ABS, and it stops, and then he stops without ABS, and it like hits one of the – it like falls over, hits yeah. one of the training wheels, and spins out. Was he in water? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a very false advertisement, though. <laughs> like, well – it was definitely done by a government agency or someone pushing ABS. Because here's the thing. The non-ABS, if you squeeze your brake in and you lock up your wheel and you don't let go of your brake lever, you need to sell your motorcycle anyway. Yeah. Like because you don't know what you were doing. Yeah. And you never and I've will watch people do it. You like, never will if you don't have a bike without ABS, you know, like that, yeah. that was my whole argument for like, maybe we, there should be a beginner bikes like the T XT and the TW that don't have all these Wango Tango I mean, shit. The thing is with a motorcycle, like you need to control those separate. And I don't know, like I know guys are going to the racetrack with ABS and they fucking love it. So, well now they're making like race ABS that goes off all the IMUs and sensors and all this technology. But what if, if any of that shit fails, you're fucked. You know what I'm saying? Well, and I've ridden shitty ABS and it sucks. Mm-hmm. Like, if you if you hit your brake pedal and it just like locks up the rear and then your ABS kicks in and you don't know to use the front brake more, you're still going to hit whatever you're looking yeah. at because it, it, it kind of goes away actually. Yeah. And it's not – yeah. I mean basically it's an assist. It's not a fail – nothing's fail-proof. You right. can't just You can't just ride towards something and then like expect the brakes to do everything without yeah. you knowing yeah. a and little I, bit of something. I don't know. Something. Like I said, I like having that control. Like, yeah. If I want a little extra back brake and try and back it into a corner, like or do a stoppy, like that's on me. That's what I respect about BMW is because they build into at least their ADV bikes. They build in um, the ability to turn off ABS because they know on dirt people want to slide, use it to slide around yeah, corners, you need to, yeah, or 
do certain techniques to get over obstacles or through mud or sand. Like they, they let you turn all that crap off if you don't want it. The ride modes, they're getting, at least they're getting smarter about it on the bikes that they're putting it on. But at the same time, like I'm stoked that there's these crazy old bikes that don't have any of that shit on there. Well, and then when you have a problem, you can't fix it at home anymore. Uh -uh. And it, you know, what you're going to run into five and 10 and 20 years down the line is there's going to be an electrical gremlin and it's going to cost more to get it fixed than the bike is worth. Yeah. And the less of those issues you can have, the better off like you're going to be. And I mean, in the spirit of motorcycling to a point, and, and it's not for everyone, don't get me wrong, but in general, more motorcycle people work on their own stuff mm-hmm. because it's easier to work on. It's accessible and they enjoy it. Like it's just kind of part of the deal. Yeah. And it's... uh Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. I didn't necessarily like that book, but I like the idea behind it that you, you're you one with your machine and you yeah. know how to take care of it and it takes care of you in return. And basically, if you go to school, I had a buddy that went to school and um, I want to give him a shout out because he's ate shit like four times on his freaking FXR now. And uh, buddy, I think the fourth time... It's the rider, not the bike, not the cars. <laughs> but he but said, if you get an FXR, you want to give away? Just yeah. let me know. But um, but yeah, he was he went to MMI, and it's like they don't call them motorcycle mechanics anymore; they call them motorcycle technicians. Yeah, because you're really troubleshooting a yeah. a system now. You're not tr- you're not troubleshooting <laughs> a mechanical problem anymore. You're troubleshooting a a, a bus problem. Mm-hmm. You know, your what bus isn't working with the other bus to make the IMU or the ECU do this and that. It's like, yeah, you're more of an electronic, uh, you know, troubleshooter than you are like a mechanic until you, you know, unless you get into the older bikes. And they they weren't working on a whole bunch of older bikes. They learned some theory, like carb theory, because the fact is, if you've bought a bike since 2006 or, you know, unless you're talking about one of these old crummy little ones that we're talking about, you haven't done anything with the carb. You and know it, what I'm saying? Like you, no, no, nothing that you have is everything's fuel injected since like the too, early 2000s. The, the reason people ride motorcycles in the states and kind of in the world, like even if you think of like India and and Asian countries where everyone commutes on them, if you got a a 200 wires in a in a wiring harness, and you know a lot of them sit outside, a lot of them don't have garages. A lot of them are just ridden every single day. That's more wires and more problems. Yeah, and you. There's a reason that so many bikes have stayed so simple for so long. There's a reason a Volkswagen Beetle was made until what 2004. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I mean, because in a lot of places in the world, like, sorry f- to to break your heart on emissions. In one, I think a lot of emissions can still be pretty close. Like, yeah. not as good, but it can be pretty close. That's ultimately what killed the Beetle was emissions. Yeah. Pretty much. And. But in a lot of those countries, like, you start adding a lot of that stuff, like, you're creating problems down the road for people that don't have the money to fix them. Yeah. Yeah, when your bike has more freaking copper wiring in it than some streets in these rural towns that somebody uh, owns one in, yeah, they're going to have a hard time where in India, shit, you might have a two-by-four a melted nail and a uh, freaking, you know what I'm saying, like a screwdriver that you need to fix your bike. I've seen dudes do stuff in Indonesia, fix tires by melting some rubber shit and like splattering it on the inside. And like, that's how they fix their tire. And huh. it took a couple hours to do, it took a couple hours. I mean, it wasn't like a 15 minute plug, but the dude like 
fixed the tire and threw it back on the bike and got going again. The guy was like, thanks, you know, whatever. And dude, they, they reused what they got. Imagine if a bike broke down in pre Obama Cuba where we, they had remember, yeah, there was nothing going into Cuba, nothing. Some of those, those cars were working on shit that the people had to make in their kitchens to get, keep the, they would like melt shit to make carb parts or whatever the hell they were doing to keep these old cars running. And the motorcycles down there have to be the same. You know, they have to be like old, 60s or whenever the freaking embargo started and yeah those things were like they are today with even cars with like an abs module guess what once that goes to shit like you're flying off a cliff somewhere above buenos aires or i know that's that's not in cuba but maybe there is a place called buenos aires cuba that i I had a ignition wire break on a cbr and it took me six months of chasing wires to figure it out yeah (laughs) and it ended up being the what this and honestly um I knew a guy who knew a guy, so we got a hold of the lead Honda instructor at MMI, mm. told him what the bike was doing, and he's like, I have never seen that before. When you figure it out, give me a call because I want to know what you did. <laughs> what it ended up being was um, nice. on a lot of modern bikes, they have a anti-theft device, so mm. if you crack the ignition with a screwdriver so you can turn it, it breaks like a resistor in yeah. there, and then... So basically my ECU had to run off like 11.472 volts, some weird ass technical number. It wasn't like 11 and a half or 11 and it definitely wasn't 12. So it would turn over, turn over, turn over. Everything would turn on, but no fuel and no spark. And I'm like, well, that's fucking weird. Those are the two things I need. But, um, it ended up like there was a pink wire in the back of the ignition that was just the bike had like 40,000 miles and it just wiggled and came loose or just like over time broke. So I just put an ignition in it and it was fine, but like trying to find that. Yeah. Cause I'm like, that's the last place you're going to look for. Well, and not only that, I'm like, I'm thinking in my head and, and the weird part was too, like looking at the wiring heart and like diagrams in the books, nothing really showed that Yeah. because it's an anti-theft thing. They don't want everyone to know that it's there. So I'm going to announce it over the podcast. So <laughs> all four of our listeners, Corey, what, what year Corey can this? attest too, because he worked this? on the bike with me. What year was the bike? I should say 2000. It was a 929. Oh, okay. CBR 929. Yeah. And so, and that's the crazy thing when, with even like the Harleys a lot and BMWs, those are the well, uh, Ducati might have it, but those are the two of the three well, that the I Ducati know. Ducati has the smart key. Yeah, and like, so the Harleys and the um, BMWs do now too. That's an option you can get the keyless ride. Yeah. What if that shit shits out somehow? What I had to do on my duck because it came without a key, I had to pull the ECU out and send it to Houston Superbikes, and they flashed it, and then they also put a tune on it for me. But um, someone else did it, so they were like two hundred and fifty. Someone else I found did it for. 200 i think and then one place did it for like it was like ducati's only or something they would do it for like four or five hundred and i'd get a smart key back damn oh yeah from those, ducati, keys, are, those was, keys aren't cheap yeah 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 and that might have been i think that was with a key from ducati it was fifteen hundred dollars mm-hmm. yeah there's um well i'm looking at bmws a lot and that was another episode I wanted to do is looking at parts like that that are super small and super stupid, but that cost as much as yeah. a used the SV you found for 600 bucks. Well, and here's the thing too, like with my ducks. So say someone tries to steal the bike and they bust the ignition out and then it won't start so they don't steal it. 
okay, if you have good insurance, yeah, you can take it to the Ducati dealer and get it fixed. But you should be able to, to me, you should be able to go into the Ducati dealer and be like, here's my proof I own the bike. Okay, it's a couple hundred bucks. No, it's fifteen fucking hundred dollars. And And at some point that's gonna be worth more than the bike, like you said before, you know. Honestly, it was more than I had paid for that duck. Yeah. Or right at what I paid for it. So it made it not worth it. But I found that Houston Superbikes, because a lot of the race bikes, they get rid of some of that stuff. Right. And that's that is one cool thing about the ECU is that yeah, you can defeat, you know, you can flash it and defeat some people can with the right stuff. Yeah. Yeah, but other but just the average Joe, yeah, you're not working on that in your garage yeah, anymore. Yeah, no. and if you know a guy that knows a guy, or like you're like the WIR top ten folks, where you're taking it all apart anyway, and you're not really using that stock thing, then it doesn't yeah. really matter because then you're just building the bike. But it, yeah, just to work on it at home, um, it, it, listening to shows like um, Recycled, where they have a lot of troubleshooting, where they have to find stuff like that. Yeah. It really is like. It, the more, um, the further away you go from mechanical stuff into the technical stuff, it turns into just this big bag of worms. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it kind of sucks. So keep it simple. And uh, I mean, you've got some performance stuff on Trusty, and that's probably about the most advanced electronics you got on that thing, right? I mean, no, she's like a three wire bike. Yeah, there you go. Boom. I mean, and it's got a decent ignition. She's got a Dyna S2000, I believe. So I can change the rev limiter. And it's just a good, reliable ignition. It's what Speed Merchant Brownie puts in everything. Um, that's it. Like, yeah. She's got an on and off. Yeah. She's actually, when you plug the battery in, the switch on the bars is is her on and off. There's no yeah. key. There's no middleman. Um, but with the battery I run, we unplug it anyway. Yeah. And then uh, that's it. I mean, she's a car bike. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, no BS. No, like, crazy, you know. I mean, they're making advanced ECUs for motocross bikes now that has, like, dirt abs and dirt traction control and all this stuff like ktm is doing it and stuff and they're doing it launch controls for for uh monster energy bikes you know like the supercross bikes have like launch control now some of them and it's just getting crazy it's like dude the the art of riding is getting lost you know i think too um in the minutiae of like making it better the top 10 guys agree with me on this like the pro stock drag bikes, you hold the throttle open and drop the clutch and the bike does everything else. Like what I like about the top 10 stuff is you're limited on tire. He was saying they have a wheelie bar. The old super street class, you were there was no wheelie bar. Yeah, they don't have, as far as I know, the WIR guys don't, you can't run a bar. Maybe Syncsime has a bar just for whatever, but for top 10, maybe they doesn't run it. The only bar I thought he said something about a wheelie bar mount the or only, just in the wheelie bar. The only bar I know that he has is the taco bar that he uh, yeah. visits after the race. But yeah, the WIR, they're, they're like a no bar. Yeah. You can do the sl- slider clutch, which I had to find out what that was. Basically, it's like having a trans brake on a drag car. You where could you- probably do a two-step too. Yeah. Which, by the way, I met the guy that invented the two-step. Uh-huh. The dance, the two-step, or the two-step uh, clutch? <laughs> it's, yeah, it's like a, I think it's like a RPM limiter until the clutch is out. So basically, like, if your red line's at 12,000, those guys are all in jigs or thousands for the most part, so it's probably a little higher than 12. You're not going to launch that hard. You're going to launch at, like, 9 or 10 or whatever. On my sporty, my red line's at, like, 7. I probably launch at 5. Um, I mean, totally different bike, obviously, than a jigs or thou. But the two-step, like, basically would limit how hard it would rev 
until you drop the clutch. Yeah. So you could basically hold the throttle wide open and not try to hit your sweet spot by modulating the throttle. Yeah, I think that's what Goldmeyer has too, because his it's set at a, whatever certain RPM you give it that, and it starts. It yeah. Goes. It's that's um. That's part of it. There's some stuff too with the timing and the lights that I know the pro stock because. So the guy I met had a lot to do with Vance and Hines yeah. in the beginning and first. Is it? Years. Did you meet Eddie Krawiek or? I have met Eddie oh, Krawiek. Okay. Is that how you say his name? Krawiek, I think. Yeah. Damn, he just won. By the way, he won. He uh, did. I saw that. Yeah. I actually, when I need something from Indy, he's the, my guy to talk to. Rad. I've only had to mess with him a couple times. When I was doing the Street 750, he helped me out because he's in the race department and he kind of gets away with stuff. Oh. And everyone else over there is like, this stuff's super top secret. And he's like. <laughs> fuck it dude he's like i see what you guys are doing with the hooligan stuff and he's like i want to support it he's like you're racing and what's cool about eddie is like he's a racer who's had to work his way to the top yeah so i got a lot of respect how for that. old is he too he's not like a super old guy no he's got to be 40 ish yeah a little over i'd yeah. say yeah so. he and he I, works there. i think he's an engineer or something oh, too. okay okay yeah i just saw that he won um was it louisiana or something like that i forget yeah, where he won like that. but yeah uh you know, that's funny. It reminded me of what you said about the MotoGP bikes where you were saying, I don't, we didn't figure out if it was true or not, but based on like the GPS or something of the track, that's, oh, how that's they, what I've heard. That's the how break. they tune and their, the source that I heard I it check from, all that stuff um, out. if there was an article in Psycho World or something on the guy that bought Valentino Rossi's Ducati, mm-hmm. that's the guy that I heard it from. Hmm. The guy that, that owns that bike. Like Valentino Rossi's like MotoGP Ducati. Yeah. And he and another, like one of his buddies bought the two bikes, right? One was Hayden's and one was Rossi's. And his buddy kind of is the one that set it up. So he assumed he was getting Hayden's bike. And then uh, his buddy's like, no, I'm going to keep this one. You can have that one. <laughs> Not have. Like, yeah. they, I'd hate to see what they paid for it. Yeah. But, and Ducati's like, you can never ride this thing. And he's like, okay, I'll never take it on a track except a few times. Yeah. But yeah, he was like, so there's like a GPS basically on the brakes. And on the computers, they can adjust into what corner, how much braking is needed. And the rider basically squeezes the lever. You know, there's no modulation. They just squeeze the shit out of it. And the the bike knows because it's in this corner what to slow down to. And then with the slipper clutches and traction control, they just hold them wide open. Like I watched a GP yeah. race at Indy in the rain the first year it was in Indy. And they were coming around the corner by us, and you just hear them like, cut, 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 cut. And it was just, they'd hold them fucking wide open. Yeah. And it's like, you would never do that on a 500, you know what I mean? It would just, oh, yeah, not you at all. Off. There was no, those motherfuckers were carbureted too. Yeah. And you know, like part of it, I get it. Um, I get that the racing technology trickles down into the street, so you need that stuff. I also think we're to a point, and I think Formula One's backed away and not allowing some of that. Like we're to a point where it ruins racing. Yeah, and like yeah, that's I think true. Rossi fans should be fighting to get rid of that shit because I think Marquez is one hell of a rider. But I th- and you know what I say that, but I've seen him ride a flat track bike too, and that shit doesn't have any of that. But Rossi can- did. Did you see him messing with the traction control at? Um- at the Super Stigio? The one before, not obviously not the last one because he didn't race it. Ago but now, it was, but... yeah, the one before that. He was. He was pushing something later in the race on the left handlebar. Huh. He was dialing in some traction bullshit. Well, I mean, honestly. It might have. 
it could be very simple. I mean, it may not have been like crazy. Well, we've but talked was, about it a lot though too. How the power hits the ground off the corner has a lot to do with how those bikes do down the straightaway. It's not horsepower; it's traction. So if you could do that, if you could limit your tire, like on a flat track bike, you need to steer with the rear of the bike. But if you could limit the tire spin, it could probably really help out. I think that was the argument because Brad Baker's. He's a Honda rider, Repsol. Brad Baker's just a flat track dude on yeah. uh, Indian at the time, I guess. And Ardell, maybe he was he even was on still Harley. Harley that year. Yeah, and uh, so they were saying that Marquez he rode a Honda a lot. Marquez had this. Yeah, he was on a Honda then, but that's what they were saying. The difference was Marquez had this factory Honda from Repsol that had all this extra wango tango yeah, shit, it was and they showed a it. He was like thousand dollar fucking flat oh, tracker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where Baker's was nice, but not that nice. Yeah, so I, I don't. It could even have been something as simple as like a that worked like a rheostat where it's just dialing down too much power yeah. when, once the tires get hot or whatever because everybody else was like having hot tires. And- <laughs> yeah, you could have it kill the power yeah. until halfway down the straightaway. Yeah. You could have it do 20% wheel spin to the rear and then it would cut out at that. And that mm-hmm. cutting out allows the tire to hook and would actually help accelerate more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's amazing. And there's a whole other thing that we'll get into um on flat track and traction and all that shit another time. Right now, uh, yeah, wrapping up this segment, I think tech, old bikes, there's they're out there. Tech on the new bikes is a reason I think that there should be more 10-year plus bikes. And Jake the Garden Snake, really quick, because um, I don't want to take too long, he made a good point. He just bought an R6, and he's going to restore it and do some stuff to it and, and fix it up. And he's like, look, this bike actually has... Uh, this year that it came out, 2006 or whatever, the one that he got, he's like, look, it didn't change at all until like 20, I don't know, 14. And he's like, I looked at the specs for this year and it makes 200 or it makes like um, like 85 horsepower or something like that or 115 horsepower. Yeah, it's probably a little over 100 for 600 to the ground. And then he's like, I looked at the 2016 or whatever the latest year is. He's like, so these bikes didn't change over like whatever many years. Um, And it was, I forget how how much more. It was like five or $2,000 more and it only made... It either made five horsepower less or five horsepower more. I think it was five horsepower more. So he's like, dude, you're paying like $2,000 for five more horsepower, and mine doesn't have ABS, and mine doesn't have this other crap. That's what you're paying for is ABS. You're probably paying for a little lighter frame. You're probably paying for a little better suspension. So his argument that I thought was excellent for these 10-year bikes, what are you paying extra? You're paying new sticker price for a 10-year-old bike. You should be looking for old bikes that are the exact same at 10 years, right? So um, yeah, old bikes, 10-year bikes, get the oldest one that you can that's still the newest version of the one you want. I never liked the first-year bikes. Yeah. yeah. Because if there's any problems and shit like that, right. So get a a second-year, 10-year bike. You can find it a good price, but if it's a 10-year bike, yeah. If they literally have only changed paint why are you paying the yeah. today's price for Absolutely. yesterday's exact same specs? You know what I'm saying? Uh, and sometimes the specs are even better for the years before. It's not like you're getting a 2000 and a 2010 in the exact same condition and the exact same That's mileage. That's true. You always have to weigh how was it kept, how was it ridden, how many miles are on it. Mm-hmm. it 
you know, I mean, if you're gonna rebuild the whole thing, though, anyway, like, yeah, if you're gonna rebuild the ground up, but yeah, I wonder what all he's doing doing 06 R6. Yeah, and and that year maybe totally off. Putting that much money into. Yeah, that year maybe totally off too. It maybe is 2010, and he was talking about 2010. If it's an R6, yeah. What are you going to do to restore it? Put some <laughs> yeah. Chinese plastic on it. Yeah. Ride it. It's not a valuable motorcycle. No, and that's why he was saying, like, he's like, why would I pay for like a newer yeah. one when I can get this one? Because it's not. That's what well, he was especially saying. Especially for 99% of riders on an R6, they don't need a new bike. Mm-hmm. Like, I've been going to the track on a 10 year old bike, not a bike they made for 10 years, but a 10 year old bike. And for me, it's better than I am. Yeah. So you got think you got five more years out of it if you were to keep it, you know? Uh, I think the advance. more I hit the track, I'll get better. Um, and I'm going to get rid of it anyway before then. Yeah. yeah. But uh, the plan is, at least for now, to have an RC51 for a while, unless I just get crazy <laughs> on the track. But, yeah. you know, it's most riders, it's not going to benefit you to have a brand new bike. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And if you're getting exactly five more horsepower for, X yeah. amount more dollars. It's really not worth it. Plus, an old older bike, you won't feel bad if you drop it. Um, speaking of bikes and racing and all this great stuff, you want to talk a little bit about flat track? You want to spend about 10, 10 minutes on flat track? Yeah. Before we bail out of here? So the Calistoga uh-huh. was actually it was a good race, yeah. I think, for everyone. I mean, semis and heats were all kind of mixed up. Um, I didn't catch all of it. Fans' choice is being weird, and I wasn't home for all of it. Luckily, I was home for the mains, um, but the singles were good. Who won it? Uh, Flying Ryan Wells took. The, uh, yeah, that's right. Ryan yeah. Wells won it. Shannon Texer was second. Um, it's funny, Colby Carlisle. You said last week that he's been in his head a little bit, and he really. Ha- I mean, I think he. I think he finished well down. I I, I don't remember exactly. Yeah, he's but, not been up in the front. Yeah, and the kid came out in Daytona and was really really putting it down Mm -hmm. and then when he crashed in daytona he hasn't been the same he hasn't he's been mid-pack he's been yeah seventh sixth he might even have been fifth this time but uh you know that's not first second or third which is where Shayna has been the last few times (laughs) it's not gonna get you another championship yeah yeah and it was interesting ben stolings i don't know if he crashed out or what because dan bromley who took third um ultimately said that he didn't want to win that way but i didn't see stolings cry i mean bromley ran pretty good in the semi and um and so did both texters and Uh, colby carlisle did pretty pretty well and ryan wells brandon price all the guys that you know and have heard of they were were, it was that yeah the the two the two semis were pretty much as expected and then Again with Shayna, she beat. She ran around through. Uh, I forget if it was Morgan Mishler again who was um, doing pretty well. I, th- I forget if she had to get around him. And like I said, I didn't see if Stallings crashed or if he was even up at the front. But she had to get around once she got through lap traffic because she started. She's been starting like between fifth and sixth and running her way. And she up. hasn't been getting good starts either. Yeah, that's the thing. She got. She, in the first corner, you could see that she had a pretty good line, but then just people swoop in on that. Cor- you know what I mean? Everybody wants to go on yeah. the inside, so she well, got buried. That's part of the game too. If you're in the outside and you're up front, you take the corner yeah. from the next person. Yeah, for sure. And you especially could, someone like Shana, she'll sneak under you if you don't. Yeah, like, you got to be aggressive because she's surprisingly yeah. aggressive. Uh, yeah, I know. The passes that she made were clean, but I'll be damned. Like they were yeah. some strong. She didn't just barely do it. She like yeah <sighs> flew by. And she finally got past um, 
I guess it was, it was I forgot if it was Morgan Mitchell or Dan Bromley, but she finally got by him. And once she got out of the traffic, there was a battle yeah. for third going on. And then and she, she caught the leader who had a pretty good gap. Yeah, there was a huge gap. She just didn't have enough laps to close it down. But again, she made it a quick, it wasn't like last week where she was drag racing to the finish. There was a little bit of a gap, but she caught, I mean, she basically did catch up um, there toward the end. And it was a pretty good race. I mean, it was pretty exciting, and it's cool. Up until last, I think last, the last half mile, what was that? That was um, Atlanta? Yeah. No, Texas. Texas. She didn't she, do too well, and then Texas she did well and got yeah. second, right, or third? She said Texas was the first half mile. She she got that bike this year, but she hasn't tested on it. Like, like Well, and I still question, too, how many TTs has she ridden in the offseason? Probably none. <laughs> like... I'm not going to lie. That's not very smart on her part. I mean, Peoria does one. They do like a little regional but what, before P- before the national comes there. Yeah. And that would that's one that like is very popular because it's For a challenge. Springfield's track. a TT too. And like last year, like the thing is, it's not that she's in like fifth or sixth in the TTs instead of on the podium. She's like not even making the show. Yeah. Well, and that's a big hit to the point. She's points. won Springfield's before, but it's because it was Springfield miles. TT? Yeah, no, no. She won Springfield Mile. And it's because they didn't have a right. TT really technically yeah. because they No, weren't. she's good on the big tracks. Yeah. And she's she's good on the half miles. But you get her down on the real short tracks, like so Springfield when they do two, it's a short track on Friday night and then a mile on Saturday or, or Saturday and Sunday, however they do it at Springfield. Yeah. So like yeah. she does well. But she needs to, like, to me, she needs to practice TTs and little short tracks and just go yeah. cut a bunch of fucking laps. You can't just give up a, you can't just like write three or four. I don't even know, is there four? Is, uh, cause are they doing Buffalo Chip again this year? The TT? Yeah. So Daytona, Springfield, the uh, Buffalo, Buffalo Chip, Chip and Peoria. And Peoria. You can't just say, well, I'm going to take four buys. I mean, she's tried, actually. She tried at Daytona, and last year she tried at, um, uh, Springfield and just didn't make the main, so it's not like she wasn't trying, but she's just not. Good yeah, she's to trying. Get to the she's semi, just not you know getting I mean? it she in. Qualify. She and, needs to. Yeah, and so for sure you can't. Uh, there are eighteen races, but you can't just say I'm going to take a buy on four of them. Well, you know what? If she won every single one, she might be able to. Yeah, and she's but doing pretty good, but she's doing pretty good. Yeah. You, I, I want to see her, especially if she's doing this good. And she said that was her first half mile. Um, her second half mile, she finished second again. And now she's got two miles in a row, and I think she won Arizona last year. Yeah, so I'm, I'm excited to and see. And again, I think numbers wise, I think that Husky makes the power. Yeah, I think it makes more. Now, I, with her, I don't know who her tuner is. I don't know because she's not on the same team as last year. So that'll be yeah. interesting, but she's killing it. She's riding fucking good, yeah. man. She's it was it was exciting, and again, a totally new bike. That how long has she had it? So yeah. it's interesting. Yeah, she li- she literally said that when the deal was <laughs> announced, she hadn't ridden it yet, or something like that, and that she, and it was announced right before Daytona. Yeah, and so the, the, these tracks that she's winning or almost winning on is her first time on that yeah. length of track. And so seeing her put it down again on another half mile, maybe the next one she races, maybe third time's a charm. Well, but, the next one she races is a mile. Yeah. So we'll next, see. It's like a month, actually. It's like a month of miles, they say. Yeah. Yeah, because the next one coming up is Arizona, Arizona. Sacramento, and then I don't know where they yeah. go, but OKC a mile and Springfield's coming up. Yeah. So Arizona's going to be tomorrow, and we'll see how she does. Yeah. Um, but the twins, what do you think about that race? That was another uh, 
Tim Horton hot sauce victory. Yeah, you know what? Uh, like I said last week, like Jared is still dominating. Now he got caught and almost got beat, but he got he didn't get the whole shot. Carver got the whole shot. He got around Carver pretty quick and pretty aggressively. And uh, then he opened up a gap, almost a second, yeah, like eight was, tenths. Yeah, it was big. And then there was a there was another half a second or so back to third place. And then as the lap started winding down into like from about fifteen on, Carver started catching him. But the first, did, did it was like, have, did he ever have a two second lap or a gap, or was it always no, just I don't one? Think so. Okay, the most I remember seeing is like point eight eight. Because I, because at one point it was growing, and then all of a sudden Carver it was, started reeling until back about in. lap fifteen. So yeah. he was growing. He probably thought he was comfortable. Probably sat in, and then I don't think he really slowed down. I think what happened was his tire choice and Carver's tire choice were different, and I think Carver found his groove. And Carver won his semi, so he got a good starting yeah. spot. Carver made a couple passes on the outside. He's not afraid to run up there in the like. Icky sticky where people don't. He's not afraid to try some new lines. Yeah. And I think he found a line that was fast for him and he likes running the high line, which is usually fast if yeah. you can do it. But the high line's a hard one to run. Yeah. And it was technically like not the groove per se. I mean, it was right. like a little off the groove. Yeah, but he still does it. But he passed around yeah. it on it. And so. But I think. Um, might be the trajectory that you, he gets off of it or just the way he carries his body through it and. Well, and the thing is, like running the outside line, it's a longer distance to travel, but you carry more speed, mm-hmm. and that's a very loose generalization. But it's also hard. Like for me personally, when I grew up in cars, I could really barely do it. I'm better at it now, but it's still hard. Um, I lose the the inside of the corners a reference point. I like to have my front right, wheel right yeah. on that, and it, it totally fucks with your head to see someone inside of you, even though you're going faster, and even though you're going to get them on the straightaway. Yeah. And Sprint the thing cars, is, your exit too, though you're going to be way closer to the wall if you. You are on a little how, bit, yeah, and you're going to be carrying more speed. So if the guy down low comes up, up hot, to yeah. the wall, you'll see him block him, or you'll see a lot of the guys on the outside shoot down into the yeah, yeah. straightaway. If you want to see some interesting outside inside lines um, that really fucking change speed, watch some World of Outlaw Sprint cars. Yeah, those dudes will run all the way up to the wall with the rear end. And then come down that straightaway at 40 mile an hour over the cars on the inside. Yeah. It's insane. <laughs> but um, yeah, Carver made it work. He had, Mies had about an eight tenth second, nine tenth second gap. And then I think it was around lap 15, all of a sudden Carver started closing it. And he went to 0.7. And then he stayed there because I heard Doodler like, oh, he didn't, he didn't get in on him that time. And then it was like 0. 0.6, 0. 0.5, 0. Yeah. 0.4. Like he started gaining about a tenth a second a lap. And uh, which part of it, Mies might have been on cruise control for a minute, but I I would say Mies knew he was coming before he was there, um, and I'm sure that Mies's mechanic and Mies have some way of communicating from the inside to the track to the outside to be like, you don't have a gap, you don't don't cruise, and at the same time, like I I don't know how many of our listeners are racers or mo- you know obviously motorcycle riders, but. When I say on cruise control, a lot of that is saving your bike, saving your body, saving your energy, saving everything. You can back it off to 98% and you can... um, That's That's our show. That's such a cute (laughs) alarm. And, you know, you keep from breaking stuff. Like if Mies goes out like he's battling with someone, you're risking breaking parts yeah you know <clears throat> so when he gets an eight tenths of a second lead you know that's five six bike links or so 
why push it? So I'm sure he backs off a little bit, but I'm sure his mechanic has a way to communicate. They're not allowed earpieces. It's not like he can talk to him. But I did see a board, like a little board that he held up that said THH minus like six. And somebody was saying that it stood for Tim Horton's hot sauce. He's losing <laughs> like six uh, percent of its uh, Could be. grip. <laughs> um, so two laps to go or three laps to go, Carver caught him. Yeah, he was on him. And he caught him, like, when he finally caught him, he caught him quick. And then Meese definitely knew he was there. And Meese quit fucking around. But Meese had to kind of block him. Yeah, there was one time where Carver, I was sure, was putting the wheel on him. And they were like, oh, he's showing him a wheel. But then Meese, like... But he was also showing a wheel on the outside. Yeah. So here's something else about Carver. And this is multi-sided. I think Carver needs to be more aggressive on the passes. This was evident at Paris Auto Speedway last year when it took Bauman to knock what's his name out of the way, Johnny Lewis out of the way, and then all of a sudden Carver sets the fastest lap time, catches Meese again, you know. Um it was evident at Georgia. And I actually don't think he was in the lead of that train, but they had to get around uh I don't remember who now, but they had to get around a rider and then him and Coolbeth oh Vanderkoy, him and Coolbeth took off from Vanderkoy. So I think he's a faster rider, but he's not very aggressive on the passes. I say that I've seen him on a local night on a 450 bump Kale Cookman right out of the way. He'd be super aggressive. <laughs> but the thing is with that though, one Carver's on a limited budget and has a limited team. I.e., him and Ben for the most part. They spend a lot of nights till two or three or four in the morning wrenching on bikes, not getting much sleep, getting up the next morning, doing the same shit. <laughs> and he has like he's away from home right now. And yeah, he's got a backup Indian. And I think but I think he's only got two bikes with him. Like the Harleys went back home after Texas. I do know that. But I don't know if he's got a Cowie backup just in case. As far as I know, he's just got two Indians in the trailer and that's it. If you dive bomb under Jared Meese and wad yourself up. First of all, you get a lot of points and a lot of money for second place. Yeah. Second of all, and consistency, you may walk away and consistency. Meese does another Tim Horton or another Lima where he messes up. You may be in first by like three or four points. Meese has dominated the first four events. Who knows what will happen for the next 14. It's how we saw Colby Carlisle win last year. Absolutely. Because she missed a couple. And, and there's there's so much to be said for being consistent. And Carver's in a position right now where he's got a lot more sponsors this year than he did last year. He's got a lot better name for himself than he did at this point last year. He's got a good mechanic with him who he didn't have last year. Um, he's got a lot going for him right now. However, he doesn't – if he wads his bike up, it's not like he's like, all right, team, I'm going to go to bed and prepare for tomorrow. You guys go ahead and fix that. <laughs> yeah. It's not like there's a endless budget or, you know, a, a semi-trailer full of parts for that bike or, yeah. hey, uh, SNS, hey, Indian, can I get this and this and this for the bike? And it'll just show up. Like, he's got to pay for all that. So there's that side of it. There's also the side that, again, he's got two bikes. So he's got – he had Calistoga. He's got Arizona. He's got Sacramento. I don't know if he's going to be home. I know he's not going to be home until after Sacramento. So, and then who knows after that? So he's like, Hey, I got these two bikes that pretty well have to last the whole season. I don't like for me and Carver and Ben know, but I don't, um, I don't know if the Harley's going to come back out this year 
maybe X Games, yeah. maybe not. It's going to be a different track. Um, you know, maybe uh, they're not coming back to Paris. So who really knows? He might be planning on riding the Indians throughout the rest of the year. Well, if he wads one up and you've got to fix it, it might not be the same again, you know? Yeah. So, you know, there's a lot to be said. So when I say he's not being that aggressive of a passer, it's not necessarily a bad thing. And, you know, to finish first, you must first finish. Yeah. <laughs> and if you, if you, so he set the fastest lap, he got a $500 check from K&N, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and he got second place. So he got how big of a contingency check from Indian and he got a check from AFT that's pretty good size. And he probably got some little checks from some of his sponsors for getting on the podium with their name. Like, that's a lot better than than having an accident with one lap to go. Yeah. like And uh, running your bike out and then teetering out and getting past, like, with five laps to go and coming in six or something, you know? Like, yeah, there's a lot to be said for second place. There's uh, quite a bit of... Who came in sixth? I don't know, but I'm just oh. saying there's there were some guys that dropped way back. I know Halbert has some issues, I think, yeah. again, where he's like he's catching them, he's reeling them in, he's catching them, and then the bike like loses yeah, power. Was that, maybe that was Halbert I'm thinking of. Yeah, he finished and back. I don't know. I, I who who came in third? I forget. Uh Chad Coates. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It was Coates, yeah. 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 Yeah, that's another name that's popped up a couple times. Well, he's Californian too, so he's kind of from that area. So and he's on a privateer Indian, right? Yeah, yeah. It was Indian one, two, three. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, not being that aggressive is not always a bad thing, you know. He's also a very smart rider. Yeah. And he's got a lot going on, um, not crashing and tearing shit up. <laughs> so, you know, and yeah, he got second, but he got a fucking killer second everyone's talking about it everyone's talking about him you know closing the map closing the gap on me um it was an exciting race it was it like was. shana's race last week where she almost you were, weren't sure you know one little bobble in the last corner and <coughs> and he made so. some really good attempts at a pass yeah. and the thing is with carver right now is he's new to that place in the pack right like last year right. a little bit yeah, and yeah. here and and now what he's doing he's showing that he's more consistent up front and he's learning dude and he'll he'll tell you straight up like you follow Kenny Coolbath and you follow Jared Meese and he's like you learn so much yeah so the fact that he was able to close that gap up in the second part of the race get up behind him like that in itself is huge you don't really have to pass it we gotta wrap the show um it's been good pay attention to uh flat track this weekend and uh, we got to get Wiggs out of here before he oh, dude, he, it's rides only, his, he rides his Harley. It's only 10.45 or 10.40. <laughs> I know. My neighbors are going to shit their pants when you start your bike up. <laughs> that one's got a Harley next door. He'll probably be all excited. Yeah, I know. He'll be like, oh, dude. So, But, yeah, um, pay attention to Flat Track this week. Pay attention to uh, Field Initiative Knives and Wiggs. He's going to be out racing. We're, we'll talk about it before you uh, actually get to it. But, yeah, our audio is just about to the end of the show. Wiggs, you got any cool sign-offs? That's a... All right, everybody, that's been our show. Uh, I don't really have anything on the calendar for uh, the 
really the middle part of May. I know there's stuff going on. Uh, I'll add to the calendar and get some uh, current events coming up as they come to us. If you would like to enter in the Solstice Slam, remember the last day to submit is going to be the 31st. Um, and it's a slam at creative-writing.com to enter. And uh, we've got a couple more stories coming in. We're going to have some cool prizes. I think the grand prize this year, I did a guitar last year. I think I'm going to do, do a painting this year of uh, a funny scene that comes to my head. So <laughs> it will be motorbike related. Send me a picture of your motorbike and I'll probably paint George Washington riding your bike across the Delaware. Who knows? Uh, but anyway, that's slam at creative-writing. And uh, yeah, if you would like to become a patron, um, you can go to www.patreon.com forward slash creative writing. We have all sorts of cool stuff. Uh, for just a buck, you can get a sticker. For five bucks, uh, you could get uh, a sticker. And uh, I think, what was the $5? Oh, for five bucks, uh, I think you get your name tossed into the ring for Solstice Slam and Spooky Spokes. Uh, throw in some, maybe that's a $10 level, I forget. But 10, 10 bucks, uh, you get a sticker and we throw your name in uh, the hat. You don't have to, you don't have to submit anything. You just, uh, you, you can get entered in for a chance to win uh, without any, you know, having to put in uh, a story. And then uh, for 10 bucks, you also get some music on a hand-drawn CD, which I'm working on right now. And they're going to go out as soon as the stickers come in, and which should be like next week. So, uh, yeah, I just composed a song last night. It's pretty cool. So um, we'll draw on your, uh, I will draw on your CD and uh, send it to you. But, yeah, check that stuff out. And I uh, hope you guys have a good weekend. If you got any current events coming up, let me know. And also pay attention to... I've been saying that a lot pay attention to but really uh, it's not that hard go on facebook.com check out WIR's top 10 bikes racing is going to be happening pretty soon so that's our show hope you have a good weekend keep the shiny side up rubber on the road don't run over a dog or a toad <laughs>